Hello, wonderful people. You're once again welcome to the Kingdoms Podcast. I am happy to tell you that the Kingdoms Podcast is proudly endorsed by the Augment Business School. Courtesy of the partnership between the Kingdoms Podcast and the Augment Business School, listeners who subscribe or who enroll to the MBA program are entitled to a 30% discount open enrollment for the program. Simply sign up using the code KINGDAMESPORT30 as it appears on your screen. The, the, the code is also going to be shared on the description of the podcast. The Open Business School brand is a brand that connects and aligns with my personal values and the premium that I place on practical business education. I am currently undergoing my Master's in Business Administration in the Urban Business School program. And I can tell you authoritatively that the program is of immense value. It's of immense benefits. I have definitely improved my business acumen uh, by being taught by seasoned, top-notch, world-renowned business leaders. Here's a word from our sponsors. Is way more important than sales. You're not going to know what's going to be the problems and what are the challenges that you're going to face. And my job is to help you understand how sales helps you succeed at life. By the end of that phone call, my hand was shaking so badly, I could not hold a pen to write. I called my manager, John, and I said, I might have just killed Jeff Bezos. The end result of Google acquiring YouTube for $1.65 billion is compressed into five days. You're being taught by actual people who have done it. The founder of Shazam, the founder of Lime, the founder of Eventbrite, the founder of Waves, the founder of YouTube, and others are going to help you understand how they did it. It is the best experience that you can have. You're going to see some truly remarkable results. Let's go. This is a lifetime lesson, so start now. We are live. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, you once again welcome to the King Dames podcast. And today we have with us a man who wears many hearts. He's an entrepreneur extraordinaire. Uh, he's a man who is going to be a member of the Forbes 40 under 40. <laughs> uh, make welcome Mayua Balogun. How are you doing today, my brother? I'm doing good, my brother. And I'm not worried about the Forbes anymore. I've left them alone. <laughs> 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 Anyways, congratulations. Congratulations on turning 30, you know, in August, right? And of course, yes. you know, you've achieved a lot. You've achieved a whole lot. Uh, how how are you feeling, first off, uh, being 30? Uh, a little bit old, you know. Um, oh, wow. You know, 30, when you, like, when you get to 30... All the, all the, all the playing is over. You got to be serious now. When you're twenties, you mess around. When you're thirty, you have, you have to. Kind of, I mean, not, maybe not have you figured out, but you have to kind of have an idea that this is where I'm going with my life. You understand? Or at least it feels that exactly. way. So, yeah. Nowadays, oh, it's too much. Money. Hey. Right, so, exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. You know, I've seen something on social media recently. Uh, Someone so posted something saying, um, "If 
you're under 30, right? You can see the complaint mm -hmm. that you come from a that you come from a poor background. But once you're 30 and above, you are the background. <laughs> so you can't <laughs> so you can no longer blame your, your, your parents for your fortunes in life, you know. When you, it's funny uh, because I, I, I hear that your 30s are you actually actually your most um like like years when you figure it out actually, right? Like a lot of people don't figure it out in their 20s and their 30s when you actually figure it out. That's what that's what I heard from hey. older people. Mm. Right? But when you're 30 now mm. it feels like you should have, you should have, you should have kind of have it, have it put straight. But a lot of people figure that in the thirties, and like that's when they actually develop. Their, I think forty is the one way. It's like if you are not, if you are not done, if you are not going forward at forty, <laughs> that's what that's what they're telling that's you. That's why, that's that, that's why, that's why they say a pool of forty is a pool forever. There you <laughs> right? go. Right. I guess I have ten more okay. years to experiment <laughs> to become a wise man forever. Right. <laughs> Yeah, but, but, but um, also, you know, like your, your 20s kind of uh, set the precedence for your 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 30s, right? Like they set a foundation. Yeah, exactly. You know, I always remember one book I read growing up. It, it's titled Invest Your Two Years, you know, mm -hmm. and um, I think we, we're roughly around the same age, right? I am 31. And then, you know, when I clock 30, I think there's this realization in me. I was like, where did my 20s go? I think I was having that sober reflection, and then you know I thought about it like, okay, my early twenties, you know, it was a long ten years. I the twenties were a long time. It was, it feels very long. Yeah, yes, <laughs> it, it felt, it felt, it felt very long. Like I'm like, okay, what did I do with my life? Okay, I remember. Okay, I had like some academic achievements. I became a chartered accountant, right? Wow. You know, I worked with you know some of the top you know accounting firms in the world. I was like, okay. Eh. I did well, like, even though I might not have made, like, so much money, right? But then, like, I it, it set that precedence, you know, for me in order to achieve, like, a lot of the things that I am now achieving, like, in, in my life, right? So I feel mm -hmm. like in the 20s, probably people should just, you know, use it to set that, you know, background for whatever it is they want to, like, achieve in life or want to be doing in life, right? That's the time you can... Um, you can focus on building skills, for example, because like you have like less responsibilities and less distractions. Of course, yes. right? Yes. yes. But then you know, with the thirties, and then you know, I don't know if you notice it yourself. Like, uh, you you feel some sort of like, um, would I say, deep or deterioration in energy when you start hitting that thirty mark? Like, you don't feel as strong as you used to be in your. 20s, especially your early 20s, mid-20s, right? And then you now discover that you need to focus more on, you know, healthy living, right? You need to take your diet more seriously. You need to take exercise more seriously, right? You can't, like, uh, would I say, get away with a lot of, you know, excesses that you used to get away with, you know, when you when you were in your early 20s. I don't know, did you, did you experience that as well? So for me, I feel like, and I, and I would say it's mostly mental. Maybe not, I've not really felt physically that different yet. Um, but I feel like I feel like all those things happened in my twenties. Because like when I was twenty one, twenty two, below that, I was like I used to be very skinny, right? And when I I used to eat, I didn't I didn't care. When I started twenty twenty three, twenty four, started getting a pot belly. I'm like, ah, what's going on? Wow, what happened? <laughs> Like, it's crazy. Like I, I, I never had to worry about. Like when I was younger, you know, all my friends used to complain. I was like, bro, like I used to, I used to, I used to be skinny, no matter what I did. You understand? 
and then 23, 24, 25, I was like, started getting like adding weight, and my weight started going up and down a little bit. So I think I've already kind of felt, gone through that in my 20, in my, in my mid 20s already, and then mentally, wow. um, I was, I was, I, I started out my life in many ways, like entrepreneurship and things like that, and kind of young, mm-hmm. and you know, like the parties and the experiences and stuff. So by the time I was 28, 27, I was already 30 in my mind. Like people used to tease me that. Oh. Getting to 30 oh, for me, I was like, okay. I'm finally here, so I hope I'm finally here. That's that's a nice one. That's a really, really nice one because you know, um, people have like different, you know, uh, trajectories like through life, right? Uh, mentally, physically, you know, like it's talking about the mental part, right? I, I teach, I can relate with that as well, right? But then, like, I think I was getting close to 30 when I started realizing that you need to take your health more seriously, right? Like, mm-hmm. It hits different people at different times. But then I think, I feel like you're fortunate uh, as a person that it did hit you like early on in life, you know, it's good to incorporate, you know, health. I did say I've changed. Oh, oh, please. I mean, I've just I drink for the last four years, I only drink water mostly. I don't really drink a lot of soda and stuff like that. Exactly, cool. exactly. Um, exactly. Like, like, yeah, I was yeah. <laughs> supporting my life. I, I was addicted to Coca Cola. But Bro, then, what? When I was young, I was addicted to Coca Cola. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think I was, I was addicted to water at all. I, I feel like there's a year when I was maybe 20, my twenty. I didn't drink any water at all. I just drank sweet tea and like, like sweet tea was my wow. like version of water for like a year at least. So, those, those things are not, they are not healthy. Uh, I'm not going to forget yeah. the 30 under 30 thing. You know, I saw it on your socials, you know. I, I I see your socials. I think on your 30th birthday, you, you made a post like, oh, you did not make the Forbes 30 under 30. Uh, you know, we hope you make the <laughs> Forbes 40 under 40. Yeah, shed a little bit of light on that, uh, over that, rather. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, was always, I always had to go when I was... I don't, know where, I don't know when I started having that goal, but probably in my early 20s as well, maybe when I was 19. I wanted to make that list. You know, I always used to follow everybody that made the list. Um, oh, wow. And, I, and I, especially the Africa one, and I, I felt like I could make it. Right? But I think life happened, especially in the last, last three, four years of my 20s, I think life happened differently. And then I, also, I also started to realize that I could have probably made those, those lists are very credits. A lot of people make those lists of merit. Don't get me wrong. A lot of people do do great things and make those lists, but also, someone like me with the background I have, there's ways I could have. I don't want to say this. There's ways I could have navigated to make the list. I could have kind of campaigned a certain way and put some thirty things out a certain way to make the list. And that's and that's what I think a lot of people are seeing now with some of those people that have been on those lists. You know, there's a popular phrase, the Forbes to fraud pipeline, right? Um, you can navigate those lists and get there because you can kind of package yourself in a way where it looks like you're doing great things that you might not, you might not be doing. And so awesome. over time, I started to realize that, man, you know what? It, it would have been good to achieve that personal goal to make the list for the 30 and 32, you know, to have achievements, achievements recognized. But also, on the other hand, those lists are kind of, they're not as credible as they always seem. Uh, you can navigate your way to make those lists and then you might be doing some things that or be be in a better place that's because i have i know some people have been on that list in the past and personally and i know what they were doing and i know 
than what they were actually doing and what they said they were doing on the list. <laughs> what you really, order versus what you get. <laughs> yeah, so they, so they found a way to get yeah. it. So that's what I'm saying. So what's me? I just like, uh, you know, it's not it's not more big. It's not more, it's not it's not as big as the deal as I um as it was for me when I was younger. And I think for now it's just if I can be the best person I can be and do the things I need to do. If I make a list, I'll make the list. If I don't make the list, I won't, it doesn't matter. But exactly, exactly. It'd be nice. Because but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> you should be proud of your accomplishments. I, for one, I'm proud of you, anyways. So, uh, least, least or no least, no problem. No least, no problem. So, um, yeah. what should, what should we be expecting? What should be expecting from you? Uh, you know, for your, for for your 30s, like what are what's like the the trajectory? Was the was the roadmap? You know. Uh, what are those things you have your eyes uh, set on for for the thirties? Well, if you, if you ask my mom, I have to get married soon. I start having a family. Ah, <laughs> very I'm, 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 I'm trying my best, but you know, I don't know. I'll try, it, but we'll get there. Uh, so I guess <laughs> the, I guess I'll, I'll I'll put that at the top of my list. We start a family. Um, and just consolidate a little, a little bit more. So like like you said, twenties, you know, a lot of building. A lot of yeah. I'm, I'm currently doing my MBA right now. I'll finish that at the end of, at the, end of the next year. Um, fantastic. So we fantastic. We, we, we seem to have a lot in common. I'm doing my MBA as well, currently. Well, how do you like the program? Yeah, it's fantastic. And uh, interestingly, you know, um, my, my business school is also um, the, the very first sponsor of this podcast. So it's called the Augment oh, really? Business School. And yeah, yeah, it's an online business school taught by, you know, um, business leaders, you know, uh, the founder of Waze, founder of Wikipedia, founder of Shazam, founder of YouTube, they're all teachers in the program. It's really, really wow. fantastic. You know, it's nice. it's one thing, to, yeah, it's really, it's a fantastic thing to, to build your business acumen. You get it, wow. like, you know, for, for, for me, like I, I, as a professional, right, I tend to have a, a professional framework that I appraise myself with right in terms of my personal development so uh, one very key criteria is business acumen you know business acumen your technical competence your global acumen that your global acumen is your ability to work with cross-functional teams right your whole leadership mm-hmm. and your building your building relationships you know how do you you know maintain relationships because relationships are key you know very vital in um, achieving um, success you know mm-hmm. in life whether as you know, in a professional career or in a business career, it's uh, very important to um, build uh, relationships. Well, business acumen is very key if you want to build wealth, right? right. It yes. is very, yeah, very key. You know, and it's it's something that uh, a good MBA program helps you sharpen. Yeah, it helps you sharpen. And uh, interestingly, you know, courtesy of uh, the sponsors, right? The listeners that uh, want to enroll on the program are entitled to a thirty percent discount. Right, cuts oh, of wow. the King Dames podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you sign up with uh, the promo code uh, King Dames thirty, right, they have thirty percent discount on the program. <laughs> so that's pretty, it's, that's, it's, it's, that's, that's pretty big discount. So that's pretty good. Nice. Yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> we, we are happy. We are happy to to spread the word of um, you know the the MBA program. Like you know, it's always fantastic to have an MBA. You know. Like, but, but really, for, for, for on your own, on your own hand, uh, how are you coming along with the program? Like, what are the things you're learning? How are you seeing it? Like, do you think 
do you think it's good? Do you think it's bad? Like, what's what's your experience like? I mean, it's nice. It's nice. Uh, it's nice. It's it's um it's a bit hectic because a lot of there's a, a lot of things you have to do. Um, but it's nice. Exactly. Um, and I think it's some validation for me. I, what I realized in my so so far I did my MBA. I did a I, I did a postgraduate in music business. Right? And, okay. And I did my MBA now. So I did that in 2019. And what I realized with these two programs is that there's things to learn, but like experience is still the best because like a, lot, a lot of things that are in those programs are things exactly. that I'm really experienced. Um, so exactly. relatable to me already. And it's just like, in it, for me, it's almost like the validation of what, what my experiences have been. Um, so, so it's nice. It's nice. It's, it's, it's nice to kind of see that you know, I was with, with or without the MB, I was kind of on the right path anyway. Um, uh, interested, interested. <laughs> have that paper and have that kind of structure and you know, network with the people and, those, and all those good exactly, things. exactly. That, that, that's that's one word I was waiting for the network. You know, it's very, very important. And the network speaks to that part of you know of my professional framework that is um, building relationships. Your know, relationships are yeah. like very, very important here in you know scaling up. And, and, and know, I guess people respect training. you a little bit more, you know. When NBA people respect you a little bit different. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's just people just look at you. I was an MBA. Okay, it's, it's probably smarter and has some business sense or something like that. You know. So, you know <laughs> exactly. Exactly, brother. Exactly. You know, uh, it's it's crazy how um, it's it's crazy how qualifications make people see you differently. It's mm. just it's just crazy, but it is what it is. You know. Uh, so so qualifications make it. Actually, I never liked. I, like I don't like that idea that people look at you differently because of you know whatever, but but, I, but that's what it is. You're like you're right. That's what that's what it is, and it is what it is. So you know, and yeah, ex exactly really because. <laughs> Go on, sorry. Finish what you said. Oh, oh no no I, 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 I'll 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 see what I want to say when you're done. Like uh, let me have your your thoughts. I just want to say yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Um, what can you do? You have to adapt to it in a, in a way, but and, and I guess the other thing you can do because I guess what I also learned is that so one of my cousins is very is very is, is doing very well with his life, and he was telling me he will have done an MBA, but he realized that like all the instructors, that, all, the, all the people that are teaching him, they don't have a better business than him. Like, they're not doing the business better. They don't. They're not, they're not having. They don't have more turnover than him. So like, what am I learning? <laughs> in the MBA? So I'm like, you know what? Fair enough. Like, and that's why and we realized a lot of guys like. Usman did the thing at Harvard last year. A lot of the top guys, when they get to the top of their game in sports, entertainment, whatever, they can always go get an MBA. But they get invited because of their level of success in their careers. Exactly. Supposed to. Exactly. So I guess that's the other thing that you can do to balance it out. You can say, you know, I don't want to go through that route. I just want to you know, do what I'm doing. And when I'm successful enough, people invite me and give me those honorary degrees or, give, or, or put me in a little program because of my achievements already. So, you know, there's ways to look at it, you know. Mm, exactly like um what you're talking about um interestingly the the episode before your own episode right uh the the guests that were on board were the founders of the augment business school and then they they mentioned some of the things you, you're saying right with you know the business education they said something that inspired them to create the augment business school program you know was you know the disappointment that they had when they were doing their own um, mba program in some you know top school in Europe. So like a lot of the tutors were not even, they were mostly academics or people who did not even have like practical business experience. And how can you teach me business without having, you know, 
done business yourself like sometimes it's quite you know uh, disappointing with you know the traditional um, mba programs but it is what it is you know you need to have a balance of the structure academics has its space and your know, practical business um, experience also has its space but i think you know um the mba the of the future should be more tilted towards you know more practical business experience you know when i told you that the father of youtube for example father of Ways, founder of you know Shazam, you know our people who are tutors on this program. I think you were quite impressed with that kind of um, of program. You know people would want to listen to you if you've been able to build a business from scratch to becoming a unicorn, right? Uh -huh. Like people would want to tap into you know your your business experience because you know what you're talking about, right? And it's um, practical practical experience and practical um, knowledge. So um, enough of MBAs, right? Let's let's dive into you because uh, the the today's so episode asking is about, me about you're asking me about my um, what I'm doing, like what my thesis were looking like, and I, I don't think I finished. Okay, yeah, okay, 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 yeah. Let's. Um, yeah, so I was saying I was doing my MBA now, so. In the next decade, I want to. My family has a, a thriving business. Um, oh, I want a thriving business. business. Yeah, thriving, thriving, thriving business is to be honest with you, thriving business empire. I should say, uh, uh, okay. it's a growing empire, okay. but it's growing. Uh, I think so. That's my friends did a good job of getting, of getting it to where it is. And I feel like as they, as they get older and older and older, I have to take the responsibility to start to look into how I can. Into the business, and you have to, you have to scale up. <laughs> and because you have to scale up. A lot of our parents, especially the Nigerians, a lot of our parents, you know, they had this very successful, maybe business wise, and that they, they never put their, they never almost put the city in their children to want to try to take over those businesses. That's why a lot of, a lot of the businesses in Nigeria, once the, once the patriarch or matriarch dies, the business kind of goes down because. The children never either have no interest to take over or you know they just mm. aren't groomed enough to be ready to take over so for me um, I, I i told myself i need to start to plan and think about okay my parents are going to get older and older and older they want very hard to get to where they got to They've give me the training they need to give me and i have to start taking responsibility to say listen i need to start to involve myself in business and know how it works figure mm. it out how we can start to scale and grow it bigger and even bigger and even bigger and then my children will do the same thing for me. And then that's how you, those businesses last for 500 years. Generational wealth. So that's a big thing for me. Um, Interesting. So, so sorry to interrupt you. You know, that, that speaks to one of my philosophies, right? That speaks to one of my philosophies. You know, I like to ask, what is success without a successor? There you go. Yeah, success is incomplete without a successor. So a great one. Uh, so let me leave it to you. Yeah. So and also I have a lot of passions as well. So I think for me, I've always been intrigued, and I when I do it, and I again we're just going to grow those things over the next decade. Um, to me, every passion can be a business, or at least at least a business opportunity. Um, and I, like you know, because we met through you know MM, our mutual martial arts. <laughs> we also have a platform, uh, Combat Sports NG, that you know that we're trying to develop as well. And that came from just listen. I I watch MMA. I'm a Nigerian. I didn't see any platforms around that were kind of putting African fighters on the map or like you know covering, you know, especially fighters that were developing. Right? You know, like even one of my things I don't understand as a hobby is I I'm a writer for the People's Gazette. That's the Nigerian newspaper, right? and I started contributing to them for sports. And part of the reason why I started contributing to them for sports is because they weren't covering like 
if Ajagba wins, you know, a secondary boxing title, nobody knows about it until the guy becomes the world champion. There's no courage, right? And you know, it's just crazy to see even guys like Impa. Impa is now the world champion PFL. Impa followed him from. I'm saying, I followed him from when he was regional circuits, right? And those kind of guys, you know, we're not getting love. You know, you can't find any interviews about them. You can't find, you can't, you don't, you don't know their stories until they start to get recognition in those sort of life. And I feel like we needed a platform for things like that, which is, it's good that you're doing what you're doing. Uh, it's good that the African fighters are doing what they're doing. You know, but so, so those kind of things, but that's, but that's for me, it's a passion project. You know, I, I, whether it does well or not, you know, I obviously wanted to do well, which is why we're saying we need to make it a business. But like, ultimately, it comes from a place of passion. Right? When, when I was actively in the music industry, those were, those, it was a place of passion as well. You know, so those are the things that, so for me, in my mind, I want my passion to develop into things that can be thriving businesses as well. Um, and I want to spend more time doing that. Even like, like, you know, just like, just like you're doing now. You inspire me because you're doing a podcast. And podcasts are, oh, I know how hard they are uh, to do. Trust me, because I very, have a podcast. Very difficult. <laughs> I have a podcast, right? And I have, I have a partner. And so I, I don't have, currently, I don't have any skills at all, like in terms of like editing the podcast or things like that. So what I, what I do is I, I, I have a partner and the, I will record and he will do all the editing and stuff. And he has been indisposed. You know, he's a married man. He's doing his things, and that's kind of stored us currently. You understand? You know, so I have oh, to. Wow. Make, but I can tell you, I can tell you for free. The, the, the editing part is not so difficult. I had to learn it. You know, <laughs> I, I know, I know. It, but know, I'm saying it's just YouTube videos. It's just, and just having time to start to do it. You know, mm-hmm. be consistent with it. Record episodes every time. Yeah. Get the equipment. Right. So those are things that I will, like, in next year or two, I want to, I want to get, I want to get into and say, listen. I got to get into this thing, wow. content creation. And for someone like me, I have a lot of things to say. It's for sports, business-wise, you know, I'm very active on Twitter. And a lot, a lot of people like to see what I'm saying about things that are going on, you know, in the business world, Nigerian politics, things like that. So, you know, I want to develop that personal brand a little bit more where I can, where my, where my voice is, you know, can make me some money, you know. So so those are the things that I'm, really, <laughs> like, I'm looking into in the next, <laughs> the next decade. And I got to get into And this is the time. A lot of content creation guys are going crazy. And you, know, you never know, these things go so... You know, it goes so well. Yeah, you know, you know, a lot of guys who became big content creation guys were like, you know, Jonathan Peterson was a professor. I'm not endorsing anybody. I'm, I'm just giving them examples of people who have been successful. Kevin Summers was was a corporate finance guy, whatever, you know. And those, they, they, their platforms became bigger than their jobs that they were doing or their careers, and they switched exactly. completely, right? So you never know how that's going to go. So I'm, I'm looking into at least explore, exploring, those, exploring those passions a little bit more and developing them and see how far they take me. So between those two things, I think the next decade of having a family, you know, which is which is exactly. a difficult one as well. Between <laughs> those things, like, yeah, the next no, day is, is set. <laughs> no, no, nothing, nothing good comes easy, you know. Hey, listen, nothing, no, nothing, no, nothing good comes easy. Uh, yeah, but then it's it's interesting, you know, how we met through the world of um, MMA, right? Mm-hmm. But then, like, I'd I'd like for you to talk uh, a bit more about your, your your passion for MMA because um I think you you probably um started watching MMA before me. I think I started watching sometime around twenty nineteen, but then mm-hmm. I don't know who got you into the sport. You know, how did you you know uh, get so passionate about it? <laughs> oh, it's very easy for me. I'm very, I'm a very big fan of sports. Period. Right. I watch probably most major sports available. Like I watch football, football, soccer. That's the regular football that we know. I watch American football. I watch basketball. You know, I watch MMA, boxing, all that kind of stuff. Right. So, 
with combat sports in general, MMA and boxing, ultimately, I, I was never really a big fan. I used to kind of watch the big events here and there. I, I, didn't, I didn't kind of follow it. But then, in 20, maybe 17 or 16, so I used to live in Dallas, right? And Usman, when he was still young in the UFC, when he would win the fight, he would do, he would host other parties in Dallas, right? And so from there, we started... And I never actually met him in person and stuff, but I, but I was always familiar because I knew all the promoters that were promoting his events. And, I, and, and they would start promoting the flyer, like, oh, Kamara Usman, UFC fighter, after party, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, who's this guy? You know, and obviously I knew guys like Conor and all the chocolate leaders and all the popular guys. Like, oh, he's a Nigerian. And you know, for me, I'm a very passionate Nigerian. Uh, yeah, Nigerian success. <laughs> the way I see Nigeria, I'm like, ah, what's going on? And I, and, I, and, I, and I always take the intention to jump on things that Nigerians are doing before they start to blow up and everybody's jumping on them. Because I feel like, I know from being, a, from being in the music industry, that industry, that it's difficult when you're coming up. It's not when you're already up, everybody's family, like it's easy then, right? It's, people need support when they're like coming up, right? So for me, being a Nigerian guy, passionate about Nigeria, seeing Nigerians doing things that are good, and just being on top of it, I just started, I started following Usman closely. I started watching, 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 watching all his old fights, I started watching all his fights, and then I realized that Usman in MMA, wasn't popular at the time, right? People didn't like him. I remember he fought, I think, Emil Mick at dinner. And he said, you know, he fought at 30%, which I interpreted. I, I remember when I saw the interview, I was like, oh, it means that he wasn't healthy, right? But then I says, oh, he's not putting 100% effort and bashed him. I remember that. I remember, and everybody started dragging him. I'm just like, why? Like, I couldn't see. For me, Osman was, was a genuine guy. I thought it was interesting. He had a good story. So I never saw why people hated him. So I became just like a passionate defender of Osman. That's what you know. I, 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 feel, I, feel, I feel like the style, you know, styles make fights, right? Like we like to see in MMA. I think, I think the style is also a contributing factor. You know, he's a wrestler, but then people of course, tend of course. to be drawn more towards towards the strikers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, so, so I guess so I get that part. But I, I felt like, and even even when I, even when we speak around Nigerians, people say things like Usman is not authentic, you know, or he has a boring personality. I'm just like, why? Like everybody must not be like flamboyant, or whatever. But like. I think Usman is an interesting person, personally. So I used to, just, I used to, I used to always just be in comments on YouTube, arguing with people, you know, like, so I, so I just became a lot drawn to him. And because of him, and obviously he was always fighting and winning, and eventually he's on eight, eight fight winning streak, nine fight winning streak, fighting around guys. And just from him being so successful, and me just kind of following his journey from tough and stuff like that. And, and then I started looking at, okay, if Usman is Nigerian, you know, all the other Nigerians that fought in, 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 in the UFC before, you know, and that can explain it to okay, who are the guys that are 40 combat sports that sort of key boxing that's successful? So I remember like finding out about easy, like a year before the UFC. I'm like, oh, who's this, this guy? This, this guy, Nigerian guy, the kickboxer, Stabender, very flamboyant, very funny, he has crazy knockouts. So I remember him making his UFC debut, right? So that's, that, that became the thing where it's like, I started becoming passionate about seeing all these African fighters come up, like from, you know, whether they were poor, they were begging for money, or they have 2,000 followers and you see them like fight and win and win and win. So I just became, and then I started getting into the sport more because of that, and then I started going back to watch all the old, you know, legendary fights that I didn't watch live or that I heard about or that I was high, saw highlights of. And just because of that, and then I think it was a month where I just like spent the whole month watching like old fights. <laughs> uh, <laughs> did you have a? Do you have UFC fight pass? Oh, I have fight pass. Bro. I don't play with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> fight pass helps me. That library, that library is massive. But <laughs> like, right now, me. like. At this stage of my life now, I'd rather not go out. I, I, I'd rather sit home and watch it. Especially now that I'm in Nigeria, 
where the fights are like late. Like I was up last night watching, you know, uh, what's his name? Son your dog uh, fight. Very boring fight. Your dog. Yeah, and the boxing <laughs> and the boxing fight with uh, Haney Haney program, which was good. For, wasn't a great fight. It was good for him. <laughs> but, but what are your thoughts on the co-main event? Uh, that was um, Anthony Lionheart Smith uh, versus. Um, this Why you have this to, he needs to retire, he needs to retire uh, man. I think, I think, I think he's still a good fighter. He's still a good fighter, but... And this is what I... I I'm, I'm worried about Usman a little bit. With this same thing I'm going to say now about Anthony Smith. What happens with MMA? When you start to fall down, when you get older, right? Same thing happened to Tony, right? You don't... Yeah. You're ranked in top five, or you're number one, number two, number three, even top ten, whatever, right? You don't fall down and they say, okay, you know, you lost two fights. Let's go, let's give you a debutant. Right. They give you like you fall down slowly. They give you guys that are around around you, that are young and upcoming, that are so that are tougher than you, right? And they're hungry. Do you understand? So you start to fall <laughs> and they down. Make so, a name. They, 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 they want to be their CVs as well. That's what I'm saying, right? <laughs> so they never say, okay, let me like fighters don't get to be rebuilt. Right? You know how when the boxer is coming up, they give him like cans to fight. Even yes. like some guys, you got regional you can't fight Robbie guys and be there, be there. You don't get when you're really old and successful. You have to fight the tough guys on the way down. You understand? So Smith can there's a lot of guys that Smith has won a bunch of fights in the last like two, three years. I know that there's guys that you can be there that maybe on rank or that are ranked maybe bottom 15, that you can probably still beat up. You're not gonna get those guys, you're gonna keep getting guys that are on the way up, prospects. Yes, right. And I just think and that he's not hungry. It's not, not that guy anymore. So you gotta let it go. 35 years old, he has like six, almost 60 fights. In, which is crazy for MMA, like 50 something fights is crazy. Very, I think too much damage over the years. Those fights wear on you, yeah. They wear and they wear and tear is, is, is crazy. And the guy has a, a, a great career in broadcasting, so like, bro, let it go, yes, exactly. And he's also a commentator of the UFC as well, so you're making money off of, of that stuff. So, why, why do you want to continue to, um, you know? get the damage right when we look at fighters on, on, on their way down like i, I think it, it happened to the likes of uh what, what's what's this um rda right uh yeah it's fluctuating <laughs> but yeah, like bj like pen and that's the silver bj pen look at this man you know nobody's going to think about how he lost he lost to leon in the first time, like literally, very close, very, very close. I was there live. That was my only last fight I've been to, you know, that I've seen live, and I was, I, I cannot believe it. But anyway, so he lost that You're fight. Very sad. You know, he, he loses that fight with one minute to go. Very close. By the way, yeah. he was in the clinch. He could have stayed in the clinch. I don't know why they separated them, but that's a very different day. I want to get into that part. Right. Second fight yeah, is second so fight. close. Right. So close. Leon is like, you know, um, holding the cage like multiple times. You know, committing multiple fouls to take the, the takeaway takedown that he didn't get. I mean, that he got because of the you know a lot of fouls with fights. You know, you know, not shots or all that kind of stuff. He loses. You could have been a draw, right? He loses that fight. That's two in a row. Mm -hmm. But anyway, but how champion. about Chimaev? How about the Chimaev fight? I'm saying, the Chimaev. I'm saying now you get to Chimaev. You get to Chimaev in short notice, right? He should say, I don't know why he didn't take five rounds, and he had the option to do it. I, I, I was, I was shocked. Rounds. I was it's a close fight. So, so now, like we know. If you watch the fights and you find Usman or whatever, you know that he's still he's he's competing yeah, all the time. So, right? Yeah, it's and, very sharp. You know, and it's still game. Jamal is clearly you no, know, but it's, but now you get to the point where you're losing there's lots of fights in the row. That's what is on the record, right? 
He's mm-hmm. about 36 years old right now. That's that's that's, it. that's what that's what it is. Eventually, you see yourself making excuses every time he loses. Like, oh, he lost. It was a close fight. That's when you start to know that. Okay, now it's scary because you might be wrong. Maybe he was just unlucky, and now he's going to get another guy. And he's going to beat him up. But it's like, it's like also when you look at Anderson Silva, the story is kind of similar. He lost. He lost. You know, the crazy knockout. To, what was that boy's name? Chris Whiteman. In the second fight, remember in, in the rematch, he broke his leg. Right, he broke his leg. Oh. Right, that you understand. Then he fights Bisping, he knocks Bisping, almost knocks Bisping out. The fight kind of continues. That, that fight, that fight was controversial. I've, I've seen that right. fight like about four, right. five times, right? And it was a close decision. That's I right. strongly, strongly think he won that fight, but you know, they gave him Bisping, and it was so, in London, it was in London, so. <laughs> Then, then remember, remember in, in that in that is losing losing streak. You, I think you won one fight that was made in no contest because of the, the pop, the pop. Then there's then, then remember he fought just like similar to what Chimayev did, right? I'm sorry, so, so like what Usman did with Chimayev. Remember he fought DC on short notice. At, yeah, at for, for the light, right? yeah, light heavyweight uh, title. When we have this course in MMA now about Silva's career at the end of it, nobody remembers that all these nuances of what happened, why he lost that fight. You remember, everybody just thinks oh he lost seven fights. Yeah. And that's what scares me about Usman's kind of just like, bro, like, I wish yeah, you, I, I think wish at some point there was a, <laughs> yeah, the passing like, of the touch. Too bad, forget the touch. And that's it. You're done. And then, then, then they'll be like, oh, he's a bomb now. Like, now people are really saying that, oh, Leon has only beat old people. They're not in their prime anymore. And who has yeah, been asked? Yeah, that, that, that's, that's, that, that's what Kobe is saying. That is what Kobe is saying. Right? <laughs> and Usman is the guy who has, has beat twice in a row. So who, who, who is the old guy talking about? It's Usman. So now, it's changing and over time. Hopefully, Usman can get to win in there. And like play like play, he hasn't fight in two years. Like play like play, you understand? Mm. So I'm 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 worried I, about I, my guy. I, I, I'm worried as well, right? And I think something similar happened to Tyron Woodley as well. That's what I'm saying. But to be fair, Woodley's zone was like bad because he was getting like more every time. Like he wasn't competing, right? so his zone was just like a fast decline, right? Yeah, but bro, Silva was see, even when Silva fought right, Ria Hall in his last fight before he left the UFC, he was still competitive, he was still competitive in that fight for like two rounds. Do you understand? That's the thing about like some of those very like annoying declines is that they are still competing. Like Tony is not competing, with Tony Ferguson. Right? for the most part, I mean, I think he competed with Chandler a little bit, but for the most part, he's just like getting beat up completely. So you know, like okay, this guy is just starting to watch. Usman is competing every time. Silva was also, also kind of competing with all these guys all the time. Silva, Silva, and Silva and Easy was very was a competitive fight. It wasn't close, but it was competitive. Yeah. Like they were back and forth. And so it's like you see these guys like oh you can still fight because you're still competing with all these guys, but you 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 always end up losing. So you like, know you know like there's there's that element of wash up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's that element of wash up, and you know I, I'm scared for for Tony Ferguson versus a party Piblet. Uh, that, that's that's coming up. I, pretty I soon. have Tony. I have Tony. Right. Enough, I have Tony. I think Tony can. Can. To be fair, the issue, the issue, the issue in that fight is going to be like the grappling. Tony can grappling. We can grab. We can like those guys take him down as well. So I think Paddy will take him down. But I feel like I'm just man. I'm a Tony guy, man. So I'm gonna I'm gonna. I think Tony can surprise everybody. Yeah. I think he looks good yeah. with this against Chandler. Now you know he looks good against Bobby Green. Remember in the first round. Yeah, he, he really looked good against Bobby Green. Yeah, and Bobby Green said, Yeah, like he, he feels like he has, you know, a lot of uh, a few fights left in him. And I think Paddy Pimble, the way he puts his chin out, I think obviously wrestling is going to be. I just, I just hope I just hope he can keep the fight standing for like five to ten minutes. I think he can keep the fight standing 
has a good chance to win that fight because Paddy has no defense. His chin is just high like this. Yeah, did you see did you see what he's doing with um David Goggins, right? The the whole <laughs> overtraining overtraining thing going through hell week and I don't know like how how relevant is that, you know, to success in MMA. Like, I think I guess I guess mentally, like if you if you if you lost five times, because those you know David Goggins is very like he's like a inspirational kind of guy, right? You know, push yourself harder. So I think, I think for, I think Tony needs it for his mind, so he can stay, he can stay competitive mentally, right? because mm. someone, someone, someone like Tony, and I think like even Usman again alluded to, like I keep going back to Usman because I'm, I'm so close, I watch everything that he does, right? Yeah, and he alluded to it in his last, like after the last other Chimaya fight, like he, when you've won, when you've won so so many times and you start, you start to lose, for the first time you know, you start to have self doubt, right? So I think Tony, Tony won what twelve fights in a row. Allies with and start for you know if you lost five and it's like you start to doubt yourself and doubt your ability like are you good are you that good right so I think Tony is doing that difficult thing for mental fortitude I don't think he's doing for any more physical I don't think at least at his age now I don't think he's doing anything for physical advantages anymore he just he wants to stay yeah, he, strong <laughs> and work. he does he, he does need that mental resilience you know right but 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 then yeah. what, what, when, when you think about it when, when you think about it right sometimes something happens with fighters right you lose a certain fight and it feels like your 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 life or your body just changes so for example yeah. tony ferguson after that gaichi fight he was never the same again <laughs> right <laughs> like when people fight gaichi right they seem never to be the same again and same thing with john jones as well you know see yeah. uh, anthony smith he fought john jones he was never the same person again right even dc after after fighting john jones twice right like you know that this person is not really, really the same any longer. It happened to yeah. Dominic Reyes as well, right? Oh, after after taking like immense damage like that to even yeah. Thiago Santos, yeah, uh, Maretta, oh, the hammer. Many guys, many guys. Uh, it's it's, yeah, it's it's just yeah. crazy. But then we, we wish our man the, the, the very best, right? And you know, mm-hmm. I, I pray and hope that you know Usman, you know. Uh, would, would rise again because we always love to see our Nigerian brothers rise. So before always, before, yeah, we, we, <laughs> before we leave, before, before we leave the world of MMA, right? Um, who do you who are you rooting for between uh, Leon Edwards and uh, Kobe Covington? Honestly, and I've, I've not been honest about this thing like publicly, just in my heart. I actually like I like Leon so much as a fighter, right? And I've always liked him because I him and his man have similar stories, kind of underlooked, for their way, for their way, for their way, and just you know what I'm saying, they just kind of hung at, stuck at the job, and they just kept finding their way until they got the, the opportunity. So they're very similar, and Usman respects him obviously a lot. But I just didn't think it was the guy that, that would beat Usman, and I'm still bitter about it. That's just the truth of the matter. I can't lie to you. I'm just bitter about the fact that he beat Usman. It's right the way he beat Usman the first time because Usman already had that fight one. Bro, I was live there. I'm already like tweeting about it. I think we're even in the group chat celebrating already. Yes. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, so, like I haven't gotten past the guys. So like I still follow you, I still follow him everywhere and I, I respect him. But there's a part of me that's like, oh I'm so mad that you beat my guy. You know that? So and then so that's so that's one side of it, right? The second side of it is that I know that if Leon beats Kobe, Kobe is Osman's best win. That's just the truth of the matter. <laughs> That's Usman's best way, right? So, and Usman is like, they're talking about Usman is like, 
if even on number one, number two, all time, world top of all time. If Leon is as beat Usman twice, and as beat Kobe, it's the guys that left are born in Masvidal. Now, you, now you're talking about Leon is like also top three, top four, top five world champions of all time because like oh, he's been the guy. Number, you know what I'm saying? He's beat the guy who's. He's the guy. He, he, he be the guy. He's the guy. He's the guy who is the guy's best win. Understand? Mm-hmm. And obviously, there's context like, oh, they're much older now. Obviously, Kobe has been active. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but still, it's going to be the, name, the names. The names are the names. You understand what I'm saying? Leon has also not exactly. been, he hasn't lost the fight in like, I don't know, seven years. Right? So it's a similar thing to what, what makes Usman a top world target of all time. It's similar to like a long undefeated streak, you know, between very tough guys. Who were like, you know, everybody was like, Kobe was, Kobe was the guy that would have been champion if, if Usman wasn't there, right? So if Leon beats him, that's what you're going to get, right? So now we're saying Leon and Usman are going to be like neck and neck. They're going to say, you know, if he wins one or two more, he might be Usman. So now that's kind of tough for me to kind of, to kind of accept. I'm not going to lie. Now that being said, and, and to be fair to you, I'm not going to lie as well. Kobe, after Usman beat him the first time, I, I, I don't hate him as much anymore. I'm not going to lie. I hated him like, when he was talking about Usman anyhow the first time. As soon as Usman beat him up with that knockout in round five, I was like, you know what? Who cares? Usman has beaten this guy up. Who cares? Like, you know what he wants to do. Right. I also know that he's very talented. His style of fighting is typically tough for Leon. I told my friends, I have a different group chat than I mean on Twitter. I told my guys, that pressure, that that pressure fighting and he. Yeah, before before Leon knocked out Usman, because Leon didn't have any knockout. I think Leon had like two knockouts in the UFC before Usman, right? <laughs> so well, now Leon knocking out Usman and then Leon stuffing takedowns in the second fight. Now I know that again there was times of holding the cage and things, but for the most part, I think Usman shot maybe over ten times and he defended like maybe seven, right? And he defended them very well, right? Excellent. So now that I've seen this new Leon with all those new wrinkles of you know of having more killer instinct, having better t- takedown defense, which he didn't have before because I've watched all these fights. Um, to be fair, Kobe is a, is a different type of wrestler. He fights with a lot more pressure. And he doesn't, it's like, it's almost like Mirab. He doesn't need to take you down and keep you there. He can continue just spamming every time you get up until you're aware you are. So, in that respect, Kobe has an advantage, I think. But then, Kobe is also 30 something years old. You know, he can get knocked out. You know, um, and I, I think Leon can frustrate him because if, if Leon defends five, six takedowns in a row, it's not predictable. But then, on the other hand, Kobe has so much cardio, so much pressure, that, and Leon kind of slows down at the end of fights. But again, he hasn't done that recently against Usman. We don't know. Yeah, we saw the him. last time we saw that. The last time we saw that was in the Nate Diaz fight. Right. So, so we don't know if it's because Usman was kind of getting older and he took that, that rematch too early a little bit. Because he was looking gas in the first fight, but then the first fight, they'll say elevation, whatever, whatever. So there's so many, so there's so many things yeah. to kind of gauge and answer in this fight. I think it's 50 50. And whoever wins, it is what it is. You know, the best man win. I really have a, I think I'm okay with either person. That's what I'm okay with either person. Win. Whoever wins, I'm okay with it. So let's wow. just get it. Let's get it done next week. Let's see. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. May the best man win. Uh, let's leave the world of MMA and get back to the world of Bayo Abalugu. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how, how was childhood, you know, and growing up uh, like for you? It was pretty good. Um, I actually just did a, an exam yesterday in, a, in my entrepreneurship class. Um, so the exam was 
about us um, get to get a good I just want to interview them and kind of get their story of how they became successful, you know, what they did, how things like that, right? And for me, the person I picked was the entrepreneur I picked was my mom, right? Because my mom is an entrepreneur, she's kind of like my inspiration, wow. like my biggest mentor, whatever, whatever. All that, all that kind of stuff, right? And it's because I've seen her, like, like I've seen my parents as I was growing up. And I'm the first child, so I was the one that was there always. Like, I've seen them, I've seen my, my life as a child with my parents, and my parents' lives transform as mm. we're growing. You understand? I've seen them, like, aspiring for, like, things like, at the time, like, buying a brand new car, you understand? Or, like, building a house, or going, or going, or going abroad, right? I've seen them when I was young, like, ah, see where they go abroad, are you serious? Like, I wish I could just, you know what I'm saying? Like, be like, ah, see, this one, they just go to London, like, it's pay water. Like, they're going to, you know, they're going to Lagos or something, whatever. And so I've seen myself, I've seen that happen. So, so in that respect, I think my childhood was kind of, it was good because I, it, it, it got better as I grew up, right? Always and always. And my parents were always like, no matter what position they were in, they were always like, very loving. They weren't always present because they were always trying to hustle and find me. My dad was in the army, moving around every time. Uh, my mom was trying to, you know, chasing out at the dreams and things like that. You know, so um, they were always always physically present there, but they were always like evolved, do you understand? Um, we always had things that we needed that we needed. Uh, there's always a lot of love around a lot of my aunties and uncles that grew up around them. So I kind of learned a lot of things about life. A lot of my values are come from that same time of my life. Like, you know, I don't I'm not very extravagant at this my at my old age now. And because I grew up I didn't grow up with a very extravagant lifestyle. So I'm I'm still okay being conservative, you know. So I had a good child. My parents put me in, tried to put me in the best school they could put me in, right? They sent me a broken. Education is the best legacy. <laughs> so there you go. So I, I, I had nothing to complain about, man. I had a good childhood. You know? And I, I love my parents and I appreciate them very much for giving me the best they could give me. You know? And I hope I can do the same. Interesting. Uh, hopefully, like uh, us, Grace. Uh, so, uh, like, aside from your parents, who were uh, your other um, early life influences? My aunties and my uncles. So, my house was kind of. I grew up in a very active household. My parents always had like my, my their sisters or their cousins living with us at different times of the of of our life, um, church members, things like that. So, well, as well as the ones from my mom's side, the uncles, they were the ones that I kind of grew up with a lot. You know, they they came from the village. They were always very active, very nice, very funny. You know, that's why that's why I learned how to speak PG. You know, so so they are the ones, and then obviously like friends, family friends. You know the ones that you got until you gonna visit. That's those ones were the ones that kind of, you know, that kind of that grew up around. Um, and then if, in terms of other influences, I think that I can't, I couldn't reach out to physically, right? I think of guys like um, trying to think. There's one that's a big one, um, like all the football players. You know, they were, we all had dreams of trying to be a football players. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of like the specific people that I that I used to admire when I was young. I'm trying to think about them right now. Like all the guys, I'm not going to lie. Like me, I always, I always liked money, so I always like, oh, like Bill Gates. I want to be like Bill Gates, you know. Warren uh, Buffett, all those guys. We we, we knew them. Yeah, those guys. These are the richest people in the world. Want to be, want to be like them. You always wanted to. You always wanted to be a money bag. So, kind of inspired us. And then, like teachers in school, it's one of my teachers, Mr. Babatunde. Rest in peace. Great, great teacher. My primary school. Mm. Mr. My secondary school had a teacher, Mr. Adigun. Also rest in peace. I don't know why they are dead. But these are the guys that like 
Someone's like, they see potential in you and they're like, they won't let you like, they won't let you flop. You understand? You know? And at the time, the angle is like, why is this guy picking on me? But it's like, nah, this is like, I see that you can be better. Like, man, Mr. Digo, I, 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 I struggled with math for a long time. Right. Now, math is one of my strong points, strong suits. But I struggled with math before. Just because Mr. Digo don't let me struggle. It's like, yeah, yeah, I can smart. I can tell. Like, just, you know, work hard and you just keep pushing me and call me in class, come and solve something in front of the board, you know, and, you know, and it, it, may, it actually made me better that if I don't get an A in my work, I'll, I'll, I'll pay, I'll be only 5,000. I ended up getting a B, a, wow. B, a B3, you know, so I actually ended up paying it. I think I, by the time I wanted to pay, the money was there, so I, I ended up sending it to his daughter, I think, but, you know, that's, so, that was really me to try because I, I was going to, I was going for a C in that month. That'd be the that'd be three I got. Now they go, now they go push me. Understand? So rest in peace, Mister. You know. After this, now that I'm saying, I'll, I'll, I'll find a way to, to reach out to his family and maybe send them some stuff as well for Christmas. Because you know, that that would be very kind of you. That that would be very kind of you. You know, like it, it it reminds me of something. Um, Israel Adesanya as well. You know, uh, there was one time uh, one of his teachers um back when he was in Ghana. You know, mm -hmm. um type something, I think on Twitter or something, saying that he's part of him. And then, you know, he he paid a lot of respect to that teacher. It's interesting how, you know, teachers are very big, you know, early life influencers, right? Okay. Yes. I, I, pride, I, I pride myself as well in being a teacher, but um, I wasn't privileged to teach, you know, like um, children. I teach like very young um, people. I, I used to teach um, professional students. So like uh, a lot of my teaching has been like adult education. But then, right, you right. know, um, it's, it, it's a beautiful thing, right? Still, when I get to meet people who did not have any knowledge of accounting or finance, mm -hmm. and then I instill that knowledge in them, you know, I impact them and I see uh, a lot of them go out to, to, to do great things, you know, for, for um, adult education, the gestation period is shorter than, mm -hmm. you know, early life education, you know, for, so for example, I, I, I see a lot of my students uh, have become chartered accountants and working like big organizations. So sometimes I, I walk into an organization and I need something and I see one of my students is in charge. Yeah, like it just feels great. <laughs> so I, have, I have a question for you. I have a question for you. Sorry. I want to, I want to question about this thing. Like if you have if you have to rate all the all the best feelings in your life, like where does this rank among your best feelings? Like when you see somebody in thought achieving achieving like achieve, achieving, achieving great things. things. And you know that that thing that you taught them is part of what got where does that rank ah. among your top like best feelings? I think it's it's easy, easy top three. Because you know, even on my Instagram bio, you see it, teacher, I put it up there. Like I'm I'm really so if it's top three, to sorry, I've, I'm putting you on this point because uh, I'm maybe stop three. What are the other two that you think that can compete with that feeling? Don't say some crazy shit now. Don't say something. <laughs> <laughs> that can compete do with that feeling. Don't do it. Uh, no, no, I'm, 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 not, I'm not saying anything crazy. Like, I'm not, I'm not about that life, you know. <laughs> I'm not about that life. But um, I think, I think uh, another feeling that could compete with that is setting a goal for myself and achieving it. Mm, you know, uh, yeah, setting a goal for myself because uh, so, so some of my Igbo friends, they tell me that if I were to be an Igbo guy, maybe my surname should be Ekweme. You know, Ekweme means talk and do. Like you say something mm. and you live up to your mm. work, you get it. So that that's one thing with me. I don't I don't like to give failed promises. 
you get it i like to live up to my word you know and then when i say something i do it you know i have i have a jamaican friend and then mm. you know i told them about my podcast earlier in the year they're also into podcasting you know in in, mm. in london and you know i think they did not believe in it or something right mm. like okay one of these guys you know just talking about oh i want to do something and then all of a sudden i got a call yesterday i was like oh you said it and you did it right <laughs> that feeling was you know, was was actually very great you know when you set a goal and you you achieve it i think it's up there in the top three now what whatever will be the third one i don't really know off of my head let me just keep Stop. the third one for some other time you said what Yes, it's top two. You know, when 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 I really came to London, you know, um, I think the first time I ever went to church in, in London, you know, uh, it was a Nigerian uh, uh, dominated at church. And then oh. as I got in, you know, I think after the service, somebody saw me. I was like, "What? Well, I know you. You taught me in Abuja." I was like, "Wow." <laughs> Oh my wow, you guys are not gonna even allow me, you know, calm down into this new environment. Like I'm still seeing, you know, and you know, it, it felt really great, you know, you know, seeing people that you teach, you know, appreciate. Okay, I think maybe maybe the third one should be um gratitude because I'm very, very big on gratitude. You know, when mm. you probably when you um go out of your way to help somebody, right, mm. and you discover that That's the good. person, you know. Yeah, makes it makes it you know in life, or is able to use you know the help that you provided them to to make something good out of their lives, and they are grateful. I think yeah, that should you know be what? The, you know the third one. Just seeing people, just seeing people happy after you've done something that that's just just giving people joys. That that for me is like the top feeling, like making people just happy, and then extending that, like you said, like helping people get to their like goals and their dreams. For me, yes. I feel better that I. I that's for me that's the top feeling like you can ever have. Like I feel like I'm happier for people than myself. Like if I achieve a goal, cool. Because I feel like I if you're a good if you're a good getter, you achieve your goals if you, if you work hard at it. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. other people to achieve their own goals is that is just a way better. For me, it's a way better feeling. Like yeah. someone that you saw like you were here and they get here. You know, someone that is just struggling and they just needs something tiny and you just God is you as that person to just give them that thing that they need and just take it and go with it. Exactly, exactly. Because, you know, um, a, a lot of people go through like a lot of challenges in life, right? And they just need that one person to give them that nudge, that, you know, push, that hope in life. And I think that that's one of the main reasons why I started this podcast, basically, because of the impact. You know, when Urban Business School were going to sponsor me, they were asking me, like, like, um, do you need us to give you money or something? So I'd like, I'm not about the money, right? I'm about the impact right about you know you guys you know giving me that platform to ensure that this podcast reaches as many people as possible right you guys supporting you know the podcast reach your platform right you guys are credible and then you guys have been able to you know um bring on board a lot of like top entrepreneurs top business leaders in the world right having that brand being associated with my brand right it gives my brand a lot of credibility right and i'm not about you know crazy lifestyle i'm about you know impacting lives of people you know i look back at maybe like 2008 2009 i saw my skinny self in a suit on the internet you know yeah. uh with posting something about being a motivational speaker you know 
right from even when I was a teenager, I'd always been that person that wants me to be people to be better in life. I think um, I don't know some some years back, I saw some guy you know um, in Lagos. You know, I, I was living in Abuja, right? But I was born in Lagos and grew up in Lagos. I saw actually saw one guy uh, in my place in Lagos, right? And then the guy uh, walked up to me and told me that, wow, that he. He, he just graduated from university, right? And that, mm. do I know that my words actually encouraged him? Mm. And that I, he, he said I encouraged him sometime and then I prayed for him. I couldn't even remember that it was because of me that he did not give up on his education. Mm. And then wow. he's very grateful to me. And, you know, it really made me feel, you know, you know, some type of way that day, like I was happy and I was shocked at the same time. Like, wow, I never knew that good words that I had said to somebody many years ago, right, was the reason why this person did not give up in life. And, you know, from then onwards, right, it's, it just became a bigger part of me. I am very generous with my compliments, you know, with um, positive remarks with, you know, constructive criticism, even in my professional work, right? You know, um, in, in the world of finance, I, like I also work as an auditor, right? You are usually responsible for training, you know, less experienced team members, right? I always ensure to encourage them, give them positive feedback. You get it. If somebody is doing something that is wrong, right? Tell them the, you know, the great things, the positive things they do first before right. now addressing uh, those negative things. It pushes people. You get it so but then you know in our age and time a lot of people just tend to focus on the negative things that people do oh, i yeah. want to you know always you know, to talk, talk about them but for me i'm very big on encouraging people because you know age and time trust me a lot of people go through a lot of mental health you know challenges and just your good words can actually be the difference between somebody committing suicide tomorrow so yeah every, every opportunity you have you know you always have to use it to impact people positively. So I think that thing really changed my life. You know, when the guy walked up to me and told me that because of me, he did not give up on his education. And, you know, he believed in himself. So imagine if, you know, you had said a bad word to the person as well. Like, mm -hmm. it could be the reason why the person, you know, would give up. So a lot of people look up to us as um, individuals, right? And, you know, um, the society has given to us to, in order to be, uh, enable us to succeed, you know, in ways that we have succeeded, right? And I think right. it's just fair for us to also give back and, you know, encourage people, be the reason why, you know, um, people would not give up or give, give, be the reason why people have hope to chase their dreams, right? And believe in themselves. And it has a multiplier effect because for everyone person that is successful, other people, you know, get benefits from that person's success. So that's that, 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 that is it you know from from my end uh interesting so uh i think the the, the next question i have on my script is you know what's your inspiration um, behind your love for music and you know the beam group um i, I don't especially for so music itself especially for music itself <laughs> i just i think we just just music is just a part of like human life you can't really explain it just it evokes, evokes emotions from you, right? But in terms of the music business, which is what which is what I'm thinking we're, we're going to get to, I think my motivation, my motivation that got me to, to get involved in the music business was I just and the same thing for me, the same thing like with sports, 
you know, now, you know, now, I'm, now I'm trying to work with boxers and athletes and things like that. And the same thing that got me there is that got me to, you know, I just, I, I, I don't remember when it was, I just remember being young and I remember Michael, Michael Jackson being in Bangkok. I'm not even sure what he meant. I just that. And, I, and I also remember like Mike Tyson as well being in Bangkok. Mike Tyson. There's so many artists, and there's so many athletes and athletes and, and just like, and you, and you see the story, and you watch the documentary, and you see the stories, it's like, it's how much money they made, this how impactful the way to people, this how much it means to everybody else. But like, internally, nobody's, nobody cares about them enough to almost make sure that they, they, they don't, like they, like, I feel like, if you impact the world to a certain level, you should be good for, like, you should be able to be, live a happy life to you. Die. Like, you your, your kids should be able to be okay financially for life. That's what I'm saying. Like, you can't be my Tyson that gave the world so much in terms of like entertainment and things like that. You made that much mm -hmm. money for so many people. You made your own money for yourself as well. And, and I'm, I'm not trying to absorb people of personal responsibility. And when you get into management and things like that, you start to realize that some of those things, it's hard to get through to some people, right? To make them make better choices. And it's, it's ultimately up to them. But ultimately, what I'm saying is, like, people are very, people are comfortable taking from all these great athletes that are gifted and get. Great musician, everybody wants to take. So we'll come and do show. We'll, you know, manager will collect, lawyer will collect, everybody's collecting. And I feel like people don't, people never, I think, I just felt like people didn't give them back enough loyalty and just helped them to, you know, navigate their lives and just ultimately be happy and not end up being poor. Right. So for me, I wanted to be that guy that, you know, when I got to the management, I, I, I cared about my, my, Artists and I guess athletes now going for well-being. These guys need to be financially secure. You know the career is the career is not that long, right? You an accountant, you have a skill that you can earn money from. <laughs> you die, really. Yeah, right? Even yeah, if you from, you, like. you, know, you know, you know, KPMG, whatever you are now, you can consult. You know, people can come to you. You know, you can do a lot of things remotely, even when you have when you're not very strong anymore, right? When you get to school, and, and that's the benefit of going to school, right? Which one of the things that you know a lot of people that do those things at least they should, they should also consider doing by the way right so but like when you have this it, it, and even if you're a singer kind of similar you can well, how long can you perform for you know what i'm saying like at full physical strength how long can you play football for play or fight for mma look at until it's 35 years old which is in, in life that's actually young like in life yeah you're, you're, you're young right so but like but for the sport and, and MMA, i mean they don't make that much money anyway so let's not get into them but ultimately like Think about those kind of guys like you, you're playing for maybe 10 years in your career, and your any potential for the most part is tied to that 10 years, right? So, people think about it like, Oh, you're making so much money, yes, but you're making money that people might make for their lifetimes in 10 years, right? So, you, all the money, all the money, most of the money you're going to make in your lifetime, you're going to make it except you transition and do bigger things. For the most part, you're an athlete, most of the money you're going to make in life, you're going to make from when you're maybe 18, 19 to 32, 34, right? And after that, your power diminishes like drastically, right? So, how can you maximize and let that money stretch out? You know what I'm saying? So that you're not being stranded, like statistics tell you, three years after people stop playing football or American football or basketball, you become broke. Mm -hmm. So, that just the thing that just triggered me when I was young. I just I just didn't like the fact that people that have worked so hard for their in their and those guys they start working from a young age, training, you know, singers are. You know, I, 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 I know how it is to be an artist and performing and traveling every day. 
and just doing shows and shows and everybody just, everybody just, everybody just taking from you. Your fans are taking from you. You can't go anywhere and do anything. You know, people just want to take. They want to see. They want to hear you sing. They want to hear you talk. You know, so it's draining. And after all that, having nothing to fall back on. Nothing to show for. That's what motivated me to kind of get into the business. I just wanted to uh, be happy for the artists and the, you know, the guys that, that, that are the ones that are actually making everybody money. You understand? And that's and that's what kind of put, got me into it. Okay, but then can, can you talk us uh, through um, briefly um, about the structure and the recent diversities of the music industry? In, in what respect? Break it down. Yeah, so, like so, so, <laughs> so you, you see, you see what's happening, you know, like uh, with the Nigerian music industry, for example, right? And now um, Afrobeats is taking over the world. Right. And yes. then we have uh, even in Afrobeats, we have like different genres of Afrobeats. Right. And then, you know, mm -hmm. looking at the influence way back to, you know, Baba Fela. Right. And then also there are also other genres that are also like you know, making making waves. Right. But then in terms of the commercial nature of you know, the mm -hmm. music industry, yes, music is food to the soul. Right. But then, you know, music is also business. Right. And you on the you know business side of uh, of the music right so so what, what's your um take like what's the structure currently because uh, previously i think in the early 2000s right and late 90s right we saw um music not being taken very seriously as a business but i think at yeah, some yeah. points like some of the pioneers of afrobeats right with you know the influence of um i think american um pop culture started yeah, taking, yeah, sure. you know, music more seriously with the advent of digital streaming platforms, you know, but just, just talk us through, you know, I do, I don't know. I, I'm a music so, lover, right? But then I'm not into music business. <laughs> yeah. So this thing you're saying is very multilayer. We can actually do a podcast just on this, you know. Um, uh, yeah, that's why I said things. briefly, please. <laughs> there's many things to look at. Find a way to well, well, give us a summary. And I have, I, have, I have a lot of very unpopular opinions about this as well. So respect to all the legends and what they've done for, for the industry. Because I think when I was growing up, right, when I was in high school, I remember being in just one, just two. And me, I, I, when I was growing up, again, back to my aunts, I was telling about my uncle. They used to play a lot of Nigerian music in my house. And like the local stuff, like all the galala, all those kind of stuff. That's what, that's, what, that's what I grew up listening to. That's what I liked. They liked all the American music too, but I didn't really like I didn't, I didn't resonate with all those guys when I was young. Cisco, all those kind of guys. Not really. I'm not going to lie. What I liked was the one that was from Nigeria. Right? And when I went to secondary school, we used to be we used to be rass people liking Nigerian music. You understand? People wanted to know how to rap 50 Cent and G Unit and Candy Shop, whatever. Exactly. Like, back in the days, you bring you bring back old memories. You were singer. They say this one are too, people are too local. You know that's it. So, <laughs> so like, <laughs> see, coming from that point, and 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 this was and, and it's not a thing that just happened in isolation. Nigerian. Radio stations weren't playing Nigerian music at the time, as when I was when we were very young, me and you, right? If you look at the airtime, I think for every maybe two Nigerian songs they will play, they will play like eight foreign songs, right? It changed as very in the 05, 06, 04 era. It's when Nigerian music became like dominant in Nigeria. It wasn't like that. Before. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like that when we when we maybe five, four years old to like seven years, eight years old, right? So. Um, what was I saying? To get to, so ultimately, the fact that we got it from that point where we didn't really embrace our own culture, that, that and I, it's, not, it's not just the music. Remember, when I was also growing up, 
I didn't want to wear traditional clothes. I wanted to wear more of the timbal and baggy. So all these, all these things are connected, right? It's not just about the music. The culture is connected. Like, we didn't want to lose our culture when we were young. That's the personal experience, right? And I think that music helped us get to the point where we started to embrace being Nigerian and Nigerian culture a lot more. Not just, a lot of things have happened too, but I think music was the main driver of that, right? So in that, in that, um, in that perspective, we are, I'm very, you know, you can't, you can't be prouder. Seeing what, and seeing that culture now getting to the point where we're not just embracing it in Nigeria, but exporting it, and other people are embracing it. You know, I remember, again, going to America the first time, and all you want to do is be like, be like a rapper. Now, that, you know, guys at American are asking you about African things. Oh, jollof rice. Oh, this one. Oh, I want to wear the trad they are wearing, or native they are wearing. Like, oh, what does this mean? So it's crazy surreal to think about the fact that now, people that we looked at, like, people that we looked up to for culture, like African-Americans, Americans, that we looked up to for their culture, and now coming back and saying, hey, I want to mm-hmm. share culture as well too, right? And I, and it's a good it's thing. I, I wish I wish more because I mean sometimes the thing they cause beef and we drag each other, and I wish we can just become friendly with it and just share and exchange and be happy for it, for all of us for sharing our culture, right? So that's one side of it. Right? Second side of it is the business side. The business side, I'm not very, I'm not proud of. I'm not gonna lie, right? What what has happened is. Music, you know, standard high music is, is generally, but for Nigeria, what, what happens is it's top heavy. What that means is that that's like every other thing, right? It's like UFC, everybody at the top might get paid good money, but the guys at the bottom are not getting paid. And that's, but what happens is that there's not, it, the structure is not strong enough in Nigeria. And we're getting better, we're getting better. We've, we've moved, we've made a lot of progress, but not enough progress, right? Um, because oh, guys like, Guys like Whiskey's, the videos, if you blow up, you make your money, right? So you'll be rich. Those guys are making money that their generations will be okay for a long time. You understand? The videos, those guys making so much money, right? Um, but they're not, they're, not, they're not taking the, the industry forward as an industry, right? It's, just, it's almost like they're just doing things for their own careers and themselves, right? Um, if you think about, I was, I was talking on Twitter about, I don't know how deep we can get in this conversation, about valuations of like music catalogs in Nigeria, right? And we're talking about how like, so first of all, moving records, I think they've been put up for sale, right? So they want to sell, I think at the 200 million, 200 million valuation, something like that, I believe, right? And I hope they can achieve, because if they achieve that, that changes kind of the, the way people look at African music now, because label exited that's like you're putting it at the same level as they start exiting you know exiting with stripe but so that's so that's a crazy you understand what i'm saying that's a crazy 200 million dollars or what currency dollars, dollars, dollars. wow that's massive no that's 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 it that's it that's it remember this was this was this is what they are saying the value the company at for potential investors right Right. And um, so that kind of sparked the discussion about like you know valuations and things like that. I'm um, debating about okay, what do we think whiskey's catalog is going to be worth? Because a, a new class of investments that, that that is kind of trending now is catalog investing. A lot of these equity guys and you know, hedge funds are investing in like you know you hear like they bought just in bus catalog or they bought market like, catalog from somebody that's five hundred billion million dollars something. Like that. You know, so a lot of those guys are investing their portfolio and investing in catalogs of artists. Because those those kind of can bring material income in perpetuity, right? So so, so we're having a discussion about like African 
music violations, right? I'm talking about two-faced things like that. And I'm telling guys, like, these violations will shock you because a lot of artists haven't structured their business the right way. You know, copyrights are believed to be shabby. You know, who owns what? People don't really yeah, know. But then you start getting to, let's start cleaning up these catalogs. A lot of people will start crying. You know, I was telling, I was telling some people that like, a lot of artists now that are legends in Nigeria, they, they can't find, they don't have access to their masters. Masters is like when you record a song, the original copy of that song. Right? And you can digital now, it's very easy. But back in the day, it was catalog, I mean analog. Right? A lot of guys can't access their the original master to their song. So they, might, so they might have to go and download the song from online from somebody else. You understand? So this is this, this, this level that we are, a lot of us are still playing at. So when things like things like valuations now, okay, who owns the song? Who wrote it? Who is the, who is the a lot of guys they don't do split sheets. Split sheets split sheet is, split sheet is something that defines who owns the song. So in, I don't want to get too complicated with this, but like it means uh, what, what percentages. There's a written part and there's a performed part. So the part that you sing, when you sing the song, that's one side of the music. The actual writing of the song, the lyrics, and the whoever do, did the sound, the homie, say the song will be done. Any fast or those people are called songwriters. The person who sings the song is the performer. So it, the two phase, the whiskey. Now a lot of times the person that sings the song also writes the song. So that that person can be both. Like but a lot of times too, look at things like people like Beyonce. A lot of a lot of Beyonce songs are not written by Beyonce. People write them for her. Right. And those guys that write Beyonce songs, they also earn a lot of money from Beyonce songs as well. Right. In Nigeria, those songwriters don't usually get a lot of credit. They don't get credits on the song. So they can't earn residual income from that song. Right. If you just do studio with the video, or I'm more specific, I'm just using them as an example in this case. Right. Right. Take one thing, go put up, maybe give them once more money, they've gone. Right. So but when we start to now get into the integrity of valuing a catalog, those things will have to come in handy. Right. Who wrote the song? Who made the beat? How much? How much do you guys decide to share the percentages? Those things have not, those things have, those, those things have not happened in the past. They didn't happen in the past, and I don't think they are going back to be. To, some 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 people, some people I think are, are being proactive, but not enough. There are still artists in today that are still doing songs. They don't have those splits secured. You understand? But that's so, that, that, that's not reasonable. There's a lot of things that, that we don't have yet. And, I, and Nigeria itself doesn't have a lot of... And, and, and again, that, you, that one is, is just a bigger issue of Nigerian governance failures, right? Our, our copyright laws are weak here. You know, we don't have a lot of... You know, then now there's things like AI, there's, you know, there's digital copies of music that's using analog analog copyright laws. You know, so there's many things that... Yeah, that, and we should have gotten past those things. Now, the other thing is ownership, right? A lot of these artists are signed... They're signing, they're, signing, they're signing their ownership away to foreign labels. Right? So even though the music is by Nigeria for Nigerians exported, we're not owning. And over, 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 as, as we get older and older and older, even though we, this is our culture and our music, we won't have ownership of it, at least and even us as a country, because it's going to be owned by some, some wise men that own the labels in Spain or France or America or whatever, right? And that's a big issue, right? And it's, 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 it's a little, and, and you look at artist issues, you look at maybe, I don't know how much you follow those, some of those discussions of, oh, this guy signed for this amount of money 10 years ago, now he's trying to get his master's back, his master's back and they're not going to give it to him, right? So these are the kind of things that we're going to have 
going forward because a lot of people are signing their right away and they're collecting money today and they're like, yeah, listen, I don't care. I just want to collect my money and be happy for now. And then eventually, when they're older and they realize how much assets they sold off with those masters, when they're now making a sugar income and maybe there's a new app and the song is being used to, you know, I don't know, in a game and they can't earn, any, they can't earn much money from it. So they're earning five pennies, five, five pennies per every dollar instead of maybe 50-50. Right? That's when you start to see the issues. So I think that this wave of Afrobeats being to the world should have been a time for us to now consolidate our business locally so that we can be the foundation for, for these things that are happening globally. But we're just, we're just almost like the... How do I want, what's the word I want to use for this thing that's going on now? We're just like the, the cheerleaders. We're not really involved in the business of it. Yes, again, like I said, the guys, the whiskeys, the individuals, and their teams, they're being pretty good. But as Nigerians in general, we're not really benefiting. You know, you understand? And it's got to a point where we start, to, we start to feel like our music was stolen from us because we didn't put those structures in place in, in, in entirely Nigeria alone to, to kind of secure these things. Because music, music exporting should be a big part of Nigeria's GDP currently. Based on yeah, and it's, it's, it's a massive happen, industry. Right. But it's not because a lot of that money is either staying there. Right, it's not coming to Nigeria. Nigeria is not. We're not, we're not really benefiting financially from our music. As but that, that that's one essence of business education you know, for everybody. You know. Yes. Yeah, you know, oh, a lot of people do not even understand like the basic um, contract laws, for example. Right, business education mm -hmm. is actually essential for everybody, and then I think it should be um, incorporated into our um, educational curriculum. Right, ensure that people understand business laws. Right, people understand you know uh, core concepts in business. People understand uh, core concepts of financial uh, management. Right, yep. yes, yep. like it, it 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 will go a long way in helping people structure um, the ways they actually uh, do anything they do in life. You know. It's 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 different when you're educated. You the way you act, so, the way you perform. Just cut you short. Do you, do you know that? And I'm, I'm I'm sure we had to discuss this thing before because because again, of course, mm -hmm. our MMA. There's no legitimate. Look at Nigeria. Nigeria is again, like you said, that's the this is the hub of Afrobeat. This is the center of Afrobeat. There's not one legitimate venue in Nigeria that can host a legitimate concert. Mm -hmm. One. That's crazy. Something that we say about MMA, right? Remember? Yeah, about about MMA. No arenas. No, no, no arenas to host you. No arena in Nigeria. The whole, million people in this country, the biggest economy in Africa, is you don't have one legitimate performance venue. These are the things that, these are the low-hanging food that we're not even talking about. Do you understand what I'm saying? I got a big thing here. So, you can't even say, let's even enjoy, like, see Echo Hotel, this one, you know, we call Atlantic. Sound is deep or like what are we talking about at this level? You know, so sorry, go on. I'm to just add that. Right, so it's, 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 it's really crazy. So I just I, I don't know how, how that's going to be done. But then I think in Nigeria, like um, the 
I don't know, maybe the Ministry of Education or something to try to ensure that, you know, business education, business law is actually in, incorporated into maybe like um, high school education so that, you know, people have an understanding of, you know, what contracts, you know, are. Because I know that in Nigeria, a lot of people do not even honor contracts. They don't, um, they don't understand the sanctity of a contract. They just feel like they can enter into, you know, gentlemen's agreements and, you know, um, just think you can you can just go with the flow or flow with the tide right with the tide right it doesn't it doesn't work that way you know a lot of people don't honor agreements in in, in nigeria and it's 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 weird and it's wild but you know like i think it takes education to get to get things right when people understand the implications of agreements the implication of contracts right how businesses you know work you know business structures right the different types of businesses right and you know what entrepreneurship is about right it just gives you know structure to to how people operate you know in um, business environments right so uh, I, I hope i hope that is you know that is in implemented and you know we, we can get it right i'm going forward but uh what would you say are being your challenges you know and achievements in the entertainment industry thus far challenge is always money it's always money man <laughs> Money. <laughs> um, I was I'm, and the one year manager, like, like I was, because I'm still a manager, but I'm not really. My structure, structure of my music. Anyway, let's not get into that now. Um, but anyway, what's so? The way the management kind of works is that you. It's like it's, it's almost like an investment. In relationship with an artist, right? Mentally, physically, financially, and. The same way, I'm assuming, I'm trying to think of it. The same way promoter in boxing, I invest in, in an Olympian that he signed. And they, and they put money and they pay him, pay him, and pay him. And then they, come, they become the champion. He might say, well, I want to win a contract with this company. You know, I want to go to this other promoter. Right. So that's kind of similar structure with music things. So you're kind of investing in somebody and somebody's career, giving it your all. And there's no there's no guarantee of reality back if they and that if they're successful and, and if it's a very big because you take the chance if they never be successful you're taking the chance the, the, the L is on you to hold because you know you're the one that's invested you know a lot of the time energy a lot of times finances as well and and but, but it's also if, if they do become successful then they you're hoping that they'll be loyal to you it's only hope because even if you sign a contract it's really, really, you can't really, it's hard to really, you can't force someone to believe that to you. That's the best way I can say it. Whether you, whether you sign them or not, and we've seen this with people that have signed contracts and they've come to court and they fought and it's bitter and ultimately everybody loses. Right. So, yeah, so that's that's the biggest challenge. It's like, well, you, you essentially have, you have to have a lot of faith. Faith that, that your investment will even work in the first place. Because not <laughs> that's like, a blind faith. Yeah, Again, a finance guy and accounting guy, you guys can do model <laughs> prediction and things like that. So you can see, okay, exactly. Right. Yeah. I this business and I put a million dollar capital into this business, and I'm, this, this is my product. I can sell it here, or this is my customers. Is you can even whether it works or not, you can at least visualize a project. Music is not really kind of the same way because it's you're dealing with human emotions and feelings and people's ear. very very subjective stuff. Exactly. Just getting to the people's ears is such a difficult, such a difficult thing to do. So it's such an expensive thing to do. 
And there's so many intangibles like the person's character, the person's work ethic that you can't really, you could try, but you can't really fully mm -hmm. capture in a model, right? So, so we really just go like What others are, you know, basically due to uh, from, you know, um, quantitative variables, right? You know, and uh, premised on um, assumptions, right? And those assumptions mm -hmm. are mostly, you know, quantitative in nature. But then these are qualitative factors and, you know, qualitative these are, factors. These are qualitative factors. So you can't can can really capture them. You can yes. try. It's, uh, it's, yeah. Yeah. Even the biggest levels. Mm -hmm. at, at the base level of understanding. Even major labels, their strategy every year is they need to get, and these guys spend money on, and they have, trust me, they have all the data, all the streaming data, they have all the data you can have access, like any major business, right? To figure out the best way to go about things. But even then, they might sign 100 assets per year. They just, they just need two to blow every year, one or two, right? That's, this is the model of the industry. You just need a few every year to blow out the ones that you sign. So, signing artists means I'm going to give them money upfront in advance. Advance that is recoverable, which is that you can make, you can essentially an alone that you, that you put forward that you can only make back from making money in music. That's when the music makes money. Right? So the music doesn't make any money. That's a, a write-off. Right? So, like <laughs> 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 they are giving advances every year, maybe fifty to hundred advances every year, and you just need to give out you to that. And I want to find one that goes crazy, like a Cardi B or a Taylor Swift. One like that is a Bonaboy that just goes crazy. That one guy is enough to recoup all their losses that they're giving everybody else. So this, this is how the, this is the model of the industry. Right? So this, so this, so this way, and then when you get to Nigeria, it's even more complicated and more more opaque. <laughs> so <laughs> so you're really just so it's, it's, it's really just it's, it's an industry that you have to have a passion for. Because yeah, a lot of blind faith they're going to go in with and just blind belief and just persistence and consistency until it works, right? Um, and that's kind of what it is. So that's that's a challenge always, just like getting that reality that man, you might put in 10, five years, hundred thousand dollars, whatever amount of money you put in, and it might not work. And uh, you gotta keep going with your life. <laughs> interested, interested. So speaking speaking of Burner Boy, you mentioned Burner Boy. That that's the one Nigerian artist that I really really like a lot, right? Uh, I was looking at my YouTube music um, wrapped for the year, and even Apple Music um, summary for the year. And I saw that Burner Boy is the artist that I listen mm -hmm. to the number most. One, huh? Yeah, this this year. So quickly, what what's your take on you know Burner Boy, his body of work, you know what he has done for the culture for the Afrobeat movement, like, wh what's your opinion on, on the guy? Bonaboy is a good artist, man. And me, I'm an, I'm an OG Bonaboy fan. So me, I was a Bonaboy fan when people didn't like him as much, right? Mm -hmm. So if you remember, if you're a Bonaboy fan from London, you know, you know what I'm saying? When he first came out, he was like a cult. 2013, 2015, I think his album was 2013. He had a very loyal and a gun fan base. Then he blew, actually blew up. Like to Party was a big song. That album was pretty good. Mm -hmm. And then he started kind of declining because you know, his character, they would like his character, whatever, whatever. He's always in control. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. can listen to the intro of his album in 2015. Yeah. He, he put that as an intro in his album in 2015. And I was just, I was checking my Twitter recently, like maybe three months ago. I was, I said, but I, I, I remember, I, I was seeing my tweets from 2013, 20, 14, 15, which blow. Go with so big one day, right? So that's kind of funny enough. I don't like, I don't like him as much now, 
Um, not because I don't like his music. Music is still, boy is probably as, as an Afrobeat artist, pure Afrobeat artist. I think it's probably the best one that we have, even over whiskey. Right? I think whiskey is just the kind of like the golden boy. That's one that everybody always knew was going to be. Like, you know, like, you know how people just like see this person when they're like, he's like Messi. This guy going to be a great player. You know, <laughs> but that boy is one of the ones where you saw the talent was like almost like a like a like a Benafa, right? Like it's very talented, but <laughs> just get Wala and just hoping that one day you can put it together. And if he does, it'll be so great, right? And that's kind of Bonaboy's story. And so, and I think that's something that a lot of people can relate to, right? Just on the data for so long. And I followed that journey step by step. I remember when he went to the UK after being banned for, I think, five years and he did his first concert. I, remember, yeah. I know when he got signed. Yeah, he's very big in the UK right now. I remember this YouTube page he has now. He had started that page in like, since 2018 or so. That was his YouTube page. All the, all the, all the things I had on the old YouTube page, they took it down and they put them on his wow. new page. So I remember him just like going through that step by step. And now him being the biggest one, arguably. But I think, honestly, objectively, I think Bonabo is probably the most successful one now. Right? Whiskey is always going to be whiskey. So I don't want to make that whole comparison. But I think in terms of just like, you see how, you see how active he is he's touring, selling out all these arenas consistently. Right? And he wasn't the one that was supposed to be there based on what they were saying, even though talent-wise, he always had that. Top and it was always a great, he, he gave so much to the industry. You know, even when it was, again, even when he wasn't being listened to, he just, you could tell that he, just, he, gave, he gave enough to the industry where it's just a good thing that's successful. Man. And you can see that, you can see why he's there, you know, currently. So respect to him. Yes, I'm, I'm... Yeah, I'm actually happy for him. You know, I respect, you know, his art history in terms of, you know, um, being able to balance um, good lyrics with um, with good rhythm, good melody. Well, guess what? Yeah, Obi, like Obi, 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 Interesting. I don't, I don't have like um, a favorite, yeah, so to speak. Yeah, I don't have a I, I love every, you know, artist doing great work from, from, from Nigeria, oh, right? I love this kid. I love David Do. I love, you know, to, so a lot of them, you know, seem to have like crazy fan bases. You know, a lot of them seem to have crazy fan bases where they will attack you if you, if you go against any one of them, right? But I'm, I'm not, I'm not about that life. I appreciate, you know, every, no, every all of, all of them, stuff. I'm proud of all of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm really proud of all of them. You know, the Afrobeat movement makes me really proud to be a Nigerian. And then I think like it's a really great time to be alive, you know, and to be a Nigerian in diaspora at this time. Like I just I think like I chose the best time. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm fortunate to be a Nigerian in diaspora at the best time uh, possible because our culture has been embraced by you know um foreigners unlike what it used to be in um you know in yesteryears, right? Uh yeah. so um Talking about your transition into um, other businesses, real estate, you know, that is your beam properties, sports and beam travels. Like, uh, how, how's the journey been? And, you know, like, what are you currently uh, putting in more energy into right now? So remember I told you, one of my big things, especially my goals for the next decade is to just have my passion transition into, like, businesses. So I have a lot of passions. And for me, I always, and that's, and that's why, like, if you see when you say, you say being property, you say everything is being, and being, by the way, is my, it's actually my initials or my, or my names. So it's not just like a thing I just found somewhere. It's actually all my names, initials. That's how being. So that's. Oh, wow. So, so B, B is for Balogun? Balogun is my own name. I don't like to say it publicly. 
Uh, oh wow, you have an idea name. Interesting. So my mom is from Edo State. Why so, do we I'm have too much in common? My mom is Edo. My mom is Edo State as well. Like my middle name is Cecilia. Yeah, yeah. That is prayer. My prayers are answered. Right? You go. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so for me, it's that kind of like my vehicle. It's almost like you know how people have how, how people have like a, um, I don't want to say this, how people have a like a family company, family crest that kind of has okay. all their holdings in it. It's like a holding company for a family, family office, whatever you want to call it. But that's for the rich, very richer people. <laughs> that's kind of what B means to me. So it's like, it's like kind of like a vehicle for all my interests that's kind of, that can express in a business capacity. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, everything, every, so everything I have a passion for, I kind of extend and I say, okay, there's a BIM version of, there's a business version of this and it's BIM. Right? And kind of all my, all my trademarks even though that are not being directly like combat sports engine, whatever, they're all trademarks that are, kind of, that are under, right? That's holding, yeah. holding. So literally, literally, you have so, you have a beam group. Pretty much, that's that's what. Yeah, yeah so, like more like a group um, structure. So yeah, so things like when you think about things like traveling, things like. So I have the way I see real estate for me is, you start to send like, I I I, I and I guess I got here it's like, after a certain level of like reading, studying. Start reading rich people's history, things like that. Like land has always been the thing that is is a value, is a value. It has always been the major store store of value, right? Land, gold as well. That's kind of stand through the test of time. But land has always been the thing where it's like, okay, back in the day, people that were rich, they were rich by having land, right? only land. Just not, not just Nigeria, globally, worldwide. It was land was globally, the thing that yeah. people, you know, people used to show, at least you no know, back in you know farming, whatever. So land is always so. And that's really it comes with like is land value. So for me, with that idea in mind, is um you know, anybody who you start to you know go through your life, start to work, aspire to earn an income, for me, have owning property or land is something that must happen. It's not something that should be even like business or no business, it's something that you should always have in your portfolio, right? It's property. Landed property, whether it's a house, you know, and that's the thing about the American dream. But I guess the European dream is like, okay, work, 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 go to school, get a job, get a house, right? Marry, right? But the home is the foundation of everything, and that home itself is the land, you understand? So that's kind of the thing for me. So for me, I always knew that, okay, from a young kid, like, okay, once I start to make money, I want to start buying property, buying land, and whatever. Obviously, you start to think about things like, okay, if I buy a property, if I buy a house and I rent it out, rental income can supplement me. With my other income to the point where if I even have multiple properties, then I can have I have enough money for rental income that I won't, I won't need to be I won't be I won't need to be to even live on my working income. I can just say I don't I don't want to work anymore. I just have enough properties to pay my pay my. And you hear stories of people like that. Oh, they just they cheat when they bought one land. Lucky that was five million now. That is one billion now. And if they are broke, they just go and sell one land and they just don't want to survive until the next one comes and they sell another land. You know, so just that idea of that's just there, right? And that's not even a business. That's just a thing that okay, how do I have a portfolio and diversify it, you know, stocks, bonds, properties, whatever, right? So for me, that's how I got into real estate, right? And it's also the thing where I just, I just knew that, okay, as soon as I start to make any money, I want to, I want to always be, I want to always have property. And me, I'll tell you what it is too. You know, if you, when you invest, 
Here they're doing liquid stuff like stock and bonds. They're doing real estate. They're doing um, there's, there's a bunch of other stuff. But you, but you have, but you, people people have preferences, right? So people like stocks and bonds. Exactly. Do, so people do all. Yes, yeah, so it's tangible and intangible assets. Right. I realize that I'm, I'm I'm a lot more comfortable with property. Right. It's, it's a lot more consistent. It's a lot more like. You, you you you'll never be wrong betting on like owning property. Nobody. Now you can, that I think that might happen that like, you might you know, pay for property and the property value will go down for, for some time, go back up. But generally in life, if you own property, that's like the short yeah, form of wealth. Okay, I have it's property. Easily. I can take collateral on it. I can do what I want to do. I can say I can borrow against it, whatever, whatever. Right? So that's so I, I always just I settled on I feel like when you're maybe not everybody, but when I was growing up, in my, I started to figure out, okay, what, I, want to, I want to always have wealth and develop and, you know, and build my wealth. You know, people go through that phase of what should I put my money in that, that makes me comfortable. Some people like stocks, some people like bonds, some people like all, and some people like, I mean, I just, really, I, I do all of them, but really is one that makes me a lot more comfortable. So that's how I got into that, right? And then over time, um, you start now, you know, you buy one land, whatever, before you know it, you buy two. You, you, you do one rental for you know it's how to get a bigger one. You just kind of transition. You keep going from there, and for you know it's say okay, I want to develop. I want to start developing. Do you understand? I'm not sure what happened. Sorry. Okay, you're talking about you know the capital appreciation of uh, of land, yes. right? So you seem quite interested in investment properties. Yeah. So yeah. So I'll say like I don't know what you invest in. Like what you like to invest in. But whatever you invest in, as an just as a, as a young guy, we just did, like doing something that is on the side to grow your income, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. There's a point you get to in that stage where it's like you need to get to the next level of that investment. Like like for example, if, if like when I started investing in stock, like no stock, so when I started investing in liquid assets, I started me I started very step by step. I started from doing I don't know what they call the UK, but it's like fixed deposit, and just two or three percent. Okay. You lock it in. Uh, okay. We, 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 yeah, we have uh, things like ISAs here in the in the UK. Yes. Yeah. So I did so that. Then I started doing mutual funds. You know, contributing hundred dollars a month, whatever. Yeah. So mutual funds. We have mutual funds as well. Then I started doing stocks and ETFs that you could trade by yourself, by Apple, by Facebook, whatever. Right. And but ultimately, if 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 you are doing it, if you are into it enough, you got your point where it's like okay, just just doing. Just doing fixed deposit is it gets boring and redundant, right? Just doing the margin of profit is very low. Ah, the reason why not sweet, I I should get more because you know so it's like okay, what's the next one? Okay, so let me go start buying stock. Okay, now like buying stock, but it's like okay, you're waiting for Facebook to go up. Like, okay, options are there, you know, day trade is there. So you always find the next level of how can I become more in terms of profitability? Same thing with real estate. You know, you start from again, you start from one house, for you know, it's uh, collecting rent. You fight your tenants, you won't pay, pay this one, you won't pay that one. Ah, see this one, maybe I can maybe I go to Airbnb. Maybe, maybe exactly. that's that's it. Yeah, that's that. Airbnb gone. It's been us every day, it's long ago. Maybe I should leave for this residential property and go to commercial property. Like I rent people that are doing storage and they have stores or whatever. You know, or maybe I should go and buy, uh, if you can afford this, go and buy a gas station or something. Or buy, you know, just start to think about, okay, what can I do? Is that, you know what, all these things don't wrong. I don't want to own again. I just want to develop. If I develop, I go sell them. And that will give me, I'll give my money and move on. So, 
you just cannot transition. So that's, that's kind of what it is. That's why I'm saying like, all these things, all these passions, you can always transition them to businesses. So that's kind of how I got into that. And, was, and then, music industry, I kind of had some a bit of a downtime during COVID. A lot of things happen personal and mm. otherwise. I, I, I think I think that that is uh, touching on the next thing I was going to ask uh, ask about, right? Yeah. You know, I was going to ask like why entrepreneurship for you, and you know what have been the highs and lows, you know, in entrepreneurship so far. So I. I why entrepreneurship for me? I, I think I was just I was just born like that, man. Like I, like I said, my mom is the biggest inspiration. That's what I saw. That's what I knew. That's what I'm comfortable with. You know, I can't imagine the kids me having to work every day. Like, and I, and I don't get me wrong, there are a lot of jobs that are very like convenient that you can do in your own time. You get to, you get to level at your job. You can pick your own schedule, whatever. So I'm not going to act like. But but still, and still, I just some people are just like that. Some some people are born and that's just how they look at their life. Like. I want to just create things and be in control of those things. And that's just kind of what I know, right? So I was always looking for things to do that would, you know, I was in secondary school selling bread, washing people's clothes, just doing oh, things wow. just <laughs> give me my own, whatever. Just I don't want to have my own money and do my own thing. You know? So that's just what it was. And then our entrepreneurship lose, lose come every day. <laughs> <laughs> so many lows. The major the lows. The major, the major ones. <laughs> but the biggest one I think was COVID, man. First of all, that COVID year, so my artist, I, 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 I had an artist that I managed to college at the time, Lady Donnelly, and we had worked maybe two, three years. Oh, wow, so, Lady Donnelly. Wow, I have, yeah. I have friends that went to, um, I think, uni with her. She went to Java. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She went to some yeah. private university. Is it um, Jabu or something? Somewhere in the UK. I don't know. Okay, okay. So in the UK, right? So it means that she, she actually went, she went to secondary school in Abuja. Yes. Abuja, yes, 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 exactly. yes, she grew up in Abuja, so, like I had mojo yes, friends. Yes, Abuja, yeah, fully. Right, so, yeah. anyway, so, we had, like I said, you remember I told you the story of Marijana, like, you, went, like, you know, you meet an artist, you take a chance, and it's fine, they take, they take a chance on you so that you, that you, that you be a you, you great with your work, and you guide them to the right, you guide them up, right? So you take a chance on, on each other, um, you invest a lot of time, energy, finances, whatever, over time, and it's hard to work out eventually, Best case scenario. So, you know, so, so we started working, I think, 2017. By 2019, we we're doing shows, you know, getting booked. December, we we're very packed. We we're doing three, four shows a day. We go to UK, go on tour. And and, and things are looking up, like things are going. Now we're talking about, about in, I was in the UK, 20, I, I haven't been in the UK since that time. I was in the UK, 2020, February. I'm going to all these label meetings, trying to get this done, publishing deal here, this one day. And COVID, so COVID happens, first of all, right? And Donnelly, at the time, she's uh, a lot of our plan was based on her going on tour, like actively doing shows, UK, you know, Austin, Texas, you know, France, Spain, just wow. and you know, active wow. showing up doing those shows. And, and so, COVID first thing that happened was kind of shut us down. And we had so many things that were planned up, no money on the table, you understand? <laughs> you know, and everybody's like pulling out of those things because, like, oh, there's COVID, like, no, there's no more fucking show. So, everybody's like pulling out, oh, this show canceled. What I noticed this event cancel this festival cancel. So it's like, damn. And then at some point in that session as well, I, I had some personal trouble and I went viral on Twitter for some crazy things that happened. And because of that, relationship ended. You know, so ultimately in that six month span to a year span, you know, we had worked to get to this point where already like it's getting to the point where you work and you are seeing the results coming and it's just like you can only go up from here and then first of all, COVID slows us down and then we have stopped working together 
and uh, it's just that's crazy. That's crazy. Because what was that before? Like, like or after, after <laughs> put everything into it, and that's it. You know, so he has got his heavy duty. So it was, it was tough. Uh, crazy, crazy. Like, was was that before or after her collaboration with Davido? So after. So what I'm saying. So that's so this. So the video. That's all the peak. This is all. This everything is going. 2019. That's the video song is 2019. That's the peak. 2020. We're still going crazy. You know, and it's supposed to go from there and go higher and higher and higher, and then you know, COVID happens, and then we stop working together, and uh, you know, that was that. You know, so that's the yeah, lowest point. Fine, right? And after that time, I I kind of appraised my life. At, at the time, I'd given music industry maybe ten years. I started when I was 15, 16, being a being a blogger. Um, you know, done doing shows in your memory. And, and we and we, I, I don't want to be because a lot of people have done a lot of things, but. In my own way, I was we're part of the kind of pioneers of a lot of things that are, that are now happening that are big. Like we're doing shows in America when you know it's not the way it's not that they're doing stadiums, we're doing music halls, clubs, eh, you know what I'm saying? So we put that time, you know. So we started from that. So I started from that, you know, blogging, then doing shows, doing tours, managing artists, you know, all that stuff. And then you know, the time when it's like time to start collecting and benefiting. And it's funny because like right after COVID, that I feel like that's when Afrobeats really, really, really started really like taking off. Yeah, making waves. It, it was the like the global, global pandemic. <laughs> and we didn't really benefit from all the time that we put in before that, you know. So it was a bit tough, you know, that's kind of review. So at that time, I just, I, I kind of, and even to, to this point now, I'm still a bit of, a bit of, a bit of a sabbatical, a bit of a break, because I, it's like, you know what, I've put too much time in this game and uh, having, to, having, to, having to restart or rebuild. So it's a bit difficult for me. So, you know, so that's when I started doing a lot of more real estate stuff. Because I was, so at the time, I was doing music f- like fully, right? I was doing real estate on the side, like as a, not, I won't say it's a hobby, but like as a, I was doing it, like as my secondary, secondary thing, right? So as soon as the, the COVID thing happened, transition, I just transitioned, I'm like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to focus on my real estate. The music will still be there, but it'll be, you know, I'll switch it, I'll switch the priorities, I'll make the real estate up there. Cause that one is, I mean, I was like, so, you know, so right now, it. right now, right now, it's really like the primary thing now. Yes, it is. And I'm, I'm also, I also, we also have a recycling company that we, are, you know, that we own, plastic recycling. But yeah, really, it's, it's a big thing. But it's funny because life, life is crazy. That's why you have to also be ready to always pivot and have things that you have to. Because guess what happened during COVID? Real estate blows up, right? If 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 you're a developer, for example, a property like property I bought before COVID. If anywhere is where I lived, a place called Windsor, Canada, affordable, prices go up steady, makes a lot of sense. COVID comes, everything goes up in price, skyrockets, right? And me, so this is why I stopped buying, and that's a story for a different day. But that's why the reason I, I left purchasing property to developing was I'm like, man, listen, the prices are going up too much. So back in the day, when I moved to Canada, for example, I bought my first property, you can buy a property and you can make enough money to pay all your bills from your rent and still have little income to survive. The price was so high that the rent, was, the rent wasn't going up as high as property was going up. And so now you're buying the property and it's like, okay, you're just breaking even, or you're even having to come out of pocket a little bit to, you know, to service the bills of the property. You know, and that's without even thinking about oh, a leaky roof or changing your furnace or whatever, whatever. I'm like, okay, this is now, much as I tend to reduce, so it's no more exciting anymore. Development must be exciting, right? Because you know, how, how about property pro- property insurance? 
that's, no, that's, that's, that's a different thing. That's a different career completely, right? It's, it's still related right. technically, but that's a different, that's a different. Uh, no, no, no. I was, I was saying like uh, property insurance, well, like sometimes, like factors. Yeah, yeah, so all those things. Yeah. And that's what I was, but back in the day, like when I started in the, in the, in the business, your rent will cover, your rent, my rent was covering everything. And I was still making, my, rent, my first car I had, that, that I bought, brand new, my rent was paying it. My rental income was paying all the, all the house bills and paying for my car. You understand? And I was still having some, some chicken change on top of all that, all those payments, right? So at the time, it's not like, okay, if I have more, if I have two, three, four properties, I can get enough property that can pay all my bills from rent, in theory, right? That, I guess, started changing as COVID became closer, right? Because property started going up in value to the point where the mass, for some reason, you know, obviously, there was a lot of stimulus, a lot of government was giving out free money, so what is what is going up? Rent was... Going up, but not the same level, same level, right? And so, and that's what we're still facing now globally. America, you guys, you guys in the UK, us in America, in Canada, the guys in America, has gone up. mortgages are high. You understand what I'm saying? Property is expensive, yeah. and people are outpriced. Cost right? of living, so, me, prices is go. So me, I saw that coming because I, you know, I studied economic models. I read a lot of, you know, historical data and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, but then went into development. Development too. Guess what? Guess what happened there? You know, you're buying. Would really buy maybe two dollar two by four two dollar two dollar fifty before now is like four dollar fifty right so so now we're at the point in developing too in Canada where it's like because of development is so high as well right it's almost even higher than the cost of say when you finish at this point now there's such a big disconnect because there's so much backlog of demand from when there was COVID. you know there was COVID everything stopped nobody was producing anymore right so there was so much demand of and so Canada is in the place where there's we have a shortage of of property. So we need property developed because people are coming from everywhere every day. Immigration, right? So we have shortage, but there's also there's also um, the demand for development property uh, materials are so is so much because of the supply that prices are so high, right? But then we we know that from all the indicators that people are struggling to afford properties. So who's going to pay? For these expensively built properties that we that you could build half for half price three years ago, right? So this so nice. So where where place? So the government, Canada government is doing a lot of things to support developers. You know, a lot of grants here, very you know, very cheap payable loans. They were trying to tap into, but again, when you get into these things, you don't foresee some rich challenges. And these and these challenges are like, well, these are challenges that come. Once every generation or two generations, these are not things that happen mm -hmm. constantly. Things that happen once every 15, 30, 40, 50 years, right? COVID happens once every hundred years, pandemic. So those are things that you can't you can't plan for, right? So you know, a lot of log log guys. So you know, as, as an entrepreneur, if you're not like someone like you, as a career guy, or like a guy that's in, that are doing tech, that, that move to tech, that you know, and even even the tech guys too, the ones that are not that didn't stand on, they are they didn't <coughs> elevate high and high. They are struggling. You know, they, a lot of those fringe level. Tech guys that did Scrum Master or whatever they are getting thrown out now, mm -hmm. right? So the world is transitioning, so we have to, it's just trying to figure yeah, out. Yeah, you need you to build that, you know, you business have, <laughs> have to business here. continuity, <laughs> resilience. Right. So this and, and yeah, uh, for, for us that are in this generation, this is on, on learning on the job because we haven't gone through this. The, 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 the people that went through these things last are like World War Two people who that way. When there was wars in the world, eh? so what we're going through now, we have to <laughs> So we're just trying yeah. to navigate, and it's not easy. So uh, you know, a lot of challenges that are coming are very unique. You know, so mm. we're we 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 pushing through.
<laughs> interested, interested, right? Like I, I was going to ask you about, um, you know, you, you talked about your time in, in Canada, right? Like um, briefly talk us through like what life was like, you know, as a Nigerian diaspora, like what was the experience for you? Like when did you move to Canada? Like are you back fully in Nigeria and, you know, or really so how, how fully. life I'm in Nigeria for life like for you in the diaspora. I lived, I lived in Nigeria. I lived in so I, so I'm 13. I left Nigeria when I was 16. I moved to the US first. I went to school in the US. And I moved to Canada after that. So I've been within Canada and US. I was there for maybe about 11, like 12 years. Right? Ish. Right. Um, but for me, I always kept in touch with Nigeria. I was always actively like a lot of my friends that, that moved around when I moved. Even when I moved after me, they don't. I kept up in Nigeria every time. I knew what was going on here. I had my bank account. I was always trying to do business in Nigeria every time. I came back at least once a year. Right? So I was always tied to Nigeria, no matter what. Like I remember, I always I did my N9 before people did it, before people in Nigeria did their N9. And I did my N9. And I came to Nigeria. But I, I, I saw, I saw you, you. Uh, I think you, you, you come back from Canada at some point to to go vote. In Nigeria yes. as well, like yeah. I'm like, wow, so, this so guy I've always, is really so I've, always, I've always been that kind of guy, <laughs> right? And and going into my experience in America, I just and Canada's, I'm just putting both together, right? Great countries, opportunities, but for me, I never saw my and Canada. I'm, I'm I'm a Canadian resident now, um, but I never saw myself as I don't I don't see myself as a Canadian. That's just like that's how I can say it this way. And America, I definitely, America, definitely not, because I mean, Canada, at least I have residency there. But America was a student, right? so you, you know clearly because you are restricted a lot to do. You can't do a lot of things. Like, like I couldn't buy a house. I could have bought my first house when I was younger. Like if I, was, if I was in Canada when I was in America, I could have bought the house as a student. But in America, it's hard to do because you do, because you can't. You know, because you, you can't have a job. For, you can't have a full-time job. You can't live on campus. A lot of rules that you have to have in America as a student. Right? So I never felt like I was. I never got to carry the weight with I thought I was an immigrant, you understand? Um, you, you, you make the best of it, but I my, my true belief is that every Niger, I won't say every Nigerian, most most Nigerians would rather live in Nigeria if it was working optimally. Right? I think if Nigeria was working comparable to some of those other countries, I think that most Nigerians would rather be here. We have, we have good weather. Canada is so cold in the winter. Bro. So and it's just it's a different. I mean, I just never like my brother is my brother is a lot different from my brother. My brother moved to America and he he kind of my brother does he has been to Nigeria I think once since he left for like two days. My mom's birthday to surprise her. It's coming this it's coming next week now for the first time like actual holiday for the first time in like ten years. Right? I wow. so, so my brother is opposite of me. So he's like embraced America very much. You know, all his friends are a lot of his friends are like white. You know, he's so he's asked so. People process it differently. But for me, I was the other way around. I just never embraced America or Canada this, this, the same way. I was always Nigerian. Understand? All my friends are Nigerian. <laughs> Nigerian, true, true. But I then were they like culture yeah. shocks? Because for <laughs> me, they like culture shocks that that's affected you. Um, it's just it's same same stupid ones. Like it comes like the first time you go, people can't hear. I mean, I, I mean, I, I really speak very fast anyway, but people can't hear, understand what you're saying. Trying to speak for to them, you know, it's just it sound weird. I remember trying to tell them my, 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 my name was Albert because that's my middle name and that's an English name because they can't pronounce my mother very well. And I ended up hitting, I, I ended up saying, Listen, I, I can't because they'll call me Albert and I, I won't know who they're talking to because nobody, nobody calls me my middle name ever. You understand? <laughs> so, 
like it didn't work out for me. So like all those kind of little things, and like you know, they ask you like a lot of people are like genuinely like. Now I guess I guess it's better now. If you go, if you go abroad, I guess people are social media has made it more equitable where people can people can see Africa, and they can kind of have a better feeling about what it what it what it, what it looks like or what it feels like. At the time, social media was just popping up. It wasn't like what it is now. So people were still like oblivious, like oh, did you, call, did you swim here? Come on, like stupid stuff like that. And still, like, do you come on the boat here? Have you ever flown before? Like, you know, like. It's like, oh, how do you think I'm in school with you? If I'm like, what do you think? Like, you know, just, like, just those no, no kind of things. It's like, and for me, I, I, I just never related. With it. I think we're 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 different culturally. Like, I, I remember my first roommates, right? First of all, my parents were very loud, make noise. You understand? Noisy, just generally, just noisy people. Right? So, that we used to have issues with our roommates. But also, it's just the way we deal with the way, the way we deal with stuff. Like Nigerians, you want to go to, you want to go for. You know, you do you do a birthday party, you invite people, maybe now you go do the food, understand? You just make everybody do okay. You know, American people, if I put out like if I white people, then in my experience, they're very like, you know, like you take an Uber with a white person and the, the money of the Uber is like ten dollar fifteen cents, they'll tell you that okay, you send me my five dollar seven cents of this money <laughs> less to the middle, you know that they don't they are very <laughs> <laughs> splitting, yeah. splitting oh, bills. Even if, 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 if Niger, like, okay, a few pounds today, a few pounds tomorrow, a few pounds next week, like, who cares? But then they're like, as you're in Dubai with them, they're about to pay the money. Like, okay, send me my five dollars seven now, so that I see that you sent it to me, so that we can pay. Mm -hmm. Like they very, and it's like they don't, they don't round up and round down. In my experience, it's to the cents. <laughs> you pay that money to the parents. It's exactly the way. Mm -hmm. yeah, like so those kind of things, those, those kind of, I'm just like, this is not, that's not how I live. That's not, if I have someone like me that grew up with so many people around me in my house, sleeping with, in the same room, like five, four different people, because we're just very communal in Africa, yeah. And especially exactly. for my family, communal. So that's something I like. I'm used to being communal. We don't want our friends to be around. We want everybody. If you, if you can afford it, you take care of everybody. If you can afford it, whatever. And, 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 they are, and they are, they are pros and cons to each, to each. To each style of living, you know, at least because Nigeria sometimes we get carried away with thinking of people that it affects us personally and we can't afford it. That's why that's why we like to have big weddings. You know, we can't even when you can't afford it, it's like okay, I want to yeah. So there are actually pros and cons, you know. But overall, I, I prefer that, that, and that's part of those are the kind of things that for me I embrace Nigeria because it's just we are culturally here. It's just I I I understand I embrace and relate to that more than. Being abroad, that's kind of why, and that's why I moved back. Apart from the fact that I, I, I have a lot of hope in Nigeria, and I'm very patriotic, which I, which I don't know why. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I love that. I no love hope. that about you. Know. I don't know if there's hope, but we try. We keep, yeah, we keep it, pushing. It, it, it will. It will get better. It will get better over time. <laughs> so, so as as a black entrepreneur, right? Like, what are your thoughts on like black um ownership? You know, taking over black power in business. Uh, what do you think Man, black leaders should do? You know, to uh, to incorporate you know more in um, business, right? So, what what should they do to 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 get better and you know to become more successful um, in, in business? To me, so I look at black people. I had this, I had this conversation with somebody recently. Yes, we're Nigerian. Yes, I'm Yoruba. Yes, you're American. But if we're black or more. And, and and this and this that's one thing that part of the that kind of culture show. that's one thing that you learn, I think, pretty quickly abroad. Uh, 
black nasty black, whether you are African or not. Obviously, some people might say Africans are educated and they look they act differently from the black people in America or whatever. But ultimately, if you are black, you are black. And I feel like black we need to embrace our skin color collectively a lot more, right? Um, but this, and that's how I was talking about. Like I was talking about the music and, and the music and cultural exchange, and I was like talking about how we used to fight each other, like. I feel like we need to do more. Like we have more in common as black people globally, and and all it takes is to go and go to Instagram and see like somebody talking about how they, in Jamaica, you know, they are eating food and their mother slaps them when they are praying. Like we're all the same. You understand what I'm saying? And it's black people are the same. Like mm-hmm. we have the same similar cultures, and it's just I feel like if we we're communicating with each other more, we have more common ground yeah, because you see, you common, see that right. common ground, that common ground is what we need to be able to elevate. I'm very big on group economics, right? You, you talk about, you know, in, I'm sure the UK is very similar to America and Canada. The black level doesn't circulate in the, in the black community more than one time. Not even up to one, I think it's 0.6 times before it goes out to other communities. Like, you got guys like Jews, maybe they, I think they're only like eight. Yeah, like, 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 like the Jews, right? Uh, I, 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 read, so, I read that book, The Jewish Phenomenon. Like, it's really the like, details how, you know, the Jews, you know, maintain generational wealth. So, but we were always we're always quick to embrace something. And I think I, 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 feel, I, I feel like it's the same issue that we have. The same issue that we have with Nigerians talking about black American people or black British people. The same thing that you see Yoruba people talking about Igbo people, even in Nigeria. So, I think that even within Igbo people, you say that there's you really from this village and that village. The same distrust of each other that we have and lack of understanding of each other that we have that is plaguing us at every level of our our groups. Even when you have a group chat on WhatsApp with Nigerians, with 10 people, 15 people. Sometimes we can't come together and agree on one thing. And that's a big, I feel like that's our biggest issue. Everything is, for me, hinges on us just being open to, we must not always have the same, we must not have the same ideas. We can just understand that we have the same skin color. And if we embrace each other enough and collaborate enough, we can build on that collaboration. And everything, for me, everything else is on the back of that, just, us collaborating. The same thing, like when I was abroad, you know, I, I, I fought hard for Africans to be together, you know, because you, you live you live in UK, so you know what I'm saying? You go abroad, you are doing your, your accounting, you know, you may not have a, a group of accountants in Nigeria that, that, that you guys can you know, be together and you know, help and say, okay, we're going to go to schools and find all the Nigerian children and teach and show them how they can become accountants. You know, these are things that other communities are doing for their people. There's all these little groups, and they're actively, completely involved, trying to develop the next generation of people. You know, I have a lot of friends that are Arab. You know, in Canada, if I want to buy a house, my my realtor might be Arab. As I'm talking to her, she will tell me, I do, "Do you need the? Do you need the? You know, a mortgage?" I'll say yes. Oh, I have I have my friend at the bank that can approve you. You know, that just go talk to my Google ask for this person, and that person is Arab, right? And you know, oh, I want to change. Oh, I want to send money to Nigeria. I want to change my dollars from Canadian to US. Oh, I have, a, I have a friend that changes money here. Go to his own, tell him I sent you. They have that very collaborative, you know. If you have one Arab friend, same thing with Asians, everything you need, they can give it to you in their community. They will take the, you the, the, the community. Yeah. Mention my name here, mention my name there. And I feel like we don't have that as black people, as Nigerians, as Africans. We have them small, maybe in the church. Oh, if they go to the gym. Yeah, okay. in small pockets. Yeah, small pockets. Like maybe if you are doc- if you are doctors, you know, 
or oh, you know, oh, I do I do community one thing one thing. There's but even those there's there's even more fighting than the collaboration. But at least we have, but we don't have it collectively. Where it's like okay, I see Gabi being available. Okay, I know see okay. I have a, I have a, I'm more comfortable having better shots. You know, like I I used to be on job interviews and like the recruiter is an Arabic guy and Melissa or Arab person for the recruiting line. They they, they start speaking English. Chef. You understand? They're speaking they're like okay. The guy is like yo, this is a really like where you see my card, see my extension. If you when you apply for the job, call me and you've applied. These are things that, that I'm seeing that happening on the job interview line. Or even in Nigeria, the Nigerian person did that interview and you did it. Yeah. They will even make it harder for you. Than... <laughs> they will make it harder for you than the person that they are It's crazy. It's crazy. But then I think in the UK, for example, we're taking some steps in the right direction, right? We have um, some network called, um, is it the ACN, African and Caribbean Network? You know, at least, you know, they're like in different places, then workplaces, then schools. And then, you know, you have the Africans and Caribbeans, you know, collaborating to do, you know, great stuff. You know, it takes a step. A journey of a thousand miles, you know, begins with a step. And, you know, I, I see that as a step in the right direction. So let's you let's guys go. You guys must lead the way. Because I think the, Definitely. the British, the UK, the UK British diaspora is a lot more... The history, is, the history is better. You guys have, like, Caribbeans, Africans, you guys have, are more integrated into the culture than Africans in America or Afri Africans in Canada. This is so I hear, so I hear, right? I'm there's not expecting the American, you know, yeah. society, yeah. Like, like, I don't hear things about, like, most people that mm -hmm. I consider black, black British, you can trace the African and the Caribbean roots directly to Africa yes. or, or the Caribbean, right? Yes. In America, it's a bit weird where it's like there's these the, the, the people that, have, that come from the slaves, there's ones that come that are Nigerian like me that were born abroad but are Nigerian, and there's ones that, that come like me at 16, 17 for university, and we're all like different. We're all they're diverse. Kind of, I think but, yeah. but I think you guys in the UK have a, a lot more synergy with exactly. your community. So you guys have to lead the way, and then I guess we'll take your blueprint. Uh, de definitely we, we, we will do that we will do that <laughs> so um what are your 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 hobbies your interests you know and you know the the competences that you have but then the world is here to see uh in in in, in a nutshell interest I, I think you know my i'm big, i'm a big guy i'm a big sports fan so i, I follow sports um, <laughs> so in terms of sports, like uh, what, what would you run? Would you say MMA is your, your, your number one sport? I hate, I hate to say it because, because we we yeah. we, co we connected through MMA and it's very you know, you know, I can't, you know I can't say. MMA is my own number one sport. <laughs> I can't say because like football is so close to my heart. I, I just feel like I, I can't, I can't, football as well. I can't, I can't accept. That's MMA can pass football. I just can't accept it. Whether it's, whether it's true, you right? just have to accept it. And you, know, you need to accept it and no peace. I have accepted it. But like, but, but truly, 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 <laughs> I'm like, when I'm watching those sports, I don't feel like, I feel like they're all number one at that time. That's what the truth of the matter. Like, I follow them religiously. I follow, like, the NFL. And even in Nigeria, where, like, those American sports are, like, late in the night, like, bro, NFL, just like MMA is, like, uh, I'm, 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 watching, I'm, I'm up on Monday night, watching Monday night football in America, NFL. Like I'm up, like so. I'm, I'm a big. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> um, so big fan of sports. I love um, politics, business. So, so when I say I love business, I, I'm not, it's not 
not just doing not just doing business or owning, I mean talking about business like when I even the things that even talking about loving sports but part of my love for sports is loving this because business itself like I'm bro I, I I'm always looking up looking up player contracts seeing how long they sign which one is guaranteed money or which one is not guaranteed like I'm actively checking the business okay you did I did this uh, this, this club is worth that amount of money so they can do this like I'm always thinking about yeah. And it's like sometimes when I'm talking to my like my, my in my group chat, I'm like boy, like bro, like why are you, are you not a fan? Which one is? Why are you worried about how they are spending yeah, their money? Yeah, like, exactly. As I spent over spending, like as I as I bought Kai Havertz for sixty-five million, why why can't you why can't, why didn't why didn't Ateta and Edu wait? Just this guy is a Chelsea player. Chelsea needs money. Nobody's chasing this guy. Why are you rushing to buy him? Just from a purely economic standpoint, like negotiation, like why are you rushing to buy him? Why can't you wait for one more month when they're more desperate and they'll probably sell it for less? Like those kind of it's like, bro, why you care? Like if it's a good player, it's a good player. I'd be like, no, like what do you mean? Like that money can opportunity cost of the money can go. You know, you can have bought it for this amount and use that money to buy another person. Uh, so that so just having discussions about the business of things that happen, sports, politics, um, you know, entertainment. Just as is a big hobby for me. I spend a lot of time just. Random number crunching of just random things, right? Um, I love to I love to read, um, listen to music, obviously. Uh, I, I love to travel. That's part of why you talk about being travel. I, 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 I like to travel. I like to travel by road. Wow. As well, but also like I like to road trip. Like I've been to about twenty-one Nigerian states. I've traveled all the, all the way to Ivory Coast by road. I want to do like West Africa by road. At some point, the whole, the whole the city. Are you are, are you like interested in like um historical and geographical um monuments uh whatever you big I'm a big I'm a big history boy. That's part of what. I, so when I travel all the places, I'm always yeah. like, I go to all the museums I can, all the like, all the big historical places like uh, landmarks. Because my Instagram, you see, I'm always, I'm always if I take pictures, you see me in some historical places that I've been. That's, that's wow, like nice. that, that's my biggest reason to travel is like explore culture, explore history, figure out. Why someone like me that is in Nigeria and someone that is in Benin are different? Like what made what made us different? What how how they, how they do their things here that do the most? And how, how how does the history how does the history tie to that culture? Because that the way the culture is there's a reason why it became like that. There's a history behind it. So you know how do we how do we being from Nigeria, being from Benin, the same people before, but somebody draw one map one day and now we had culture culture change. How did the history change that culture? You know, so those kind of things are very and to, to, to like seeing like I went to Ghana, I saw the slave coast place, putting those things in perspective, like seeing how some of those people lived, you know, see where they put locked them when they were stubborn, like those things. Interesting. Like, just put, yeah, it, it's, it's something I'm also highly interested in as well. You know, history, geography, like yeah, come on, come on, interest, right? And then, you know, second back to MMA, right? I think in the world, in the world of MMA, like in the global space for Nigerians, I think uh, in terms of knowledgeable Nigerians, you know, uh, in MMA, I think I'll put myself and yourself, and this is being conservative, in the top 20 most knowledgeable Nigerians. I mean, okay. Yeah, like there's think about there's it, there's top 20. There's, there's, some, there's some strong people, yeah. yeah. Through, I think 20. Yeah, top 20, top 20, come on. Uh, myself, yourself, Jibril Aminu of African Fighters, uh, maybe Farouk as well. Like, I think easily we, we sneak into that top 20. We, we are, the guys in our group are pretty good. The guys that do that, yeah, Jibril Aminu, yeah. yeah. No, 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 no uh, not them. them. Uh, and there's a Young Jolof, Young Jolof as well. Them. 
them they're pretty yeah. good. And, and, yeah, and, exactly. them, and, they, and they fought MMA as well, so... Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, I think, I think if we do not make pops 30 under 30, we make MMA 30 under 30. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but, hey, but you know what? We should be the, the gatekeepers of this industry in Nigeria. The, 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 in Nigeria, The money must pass through us because now we know the money, now we get <laughs> Exactly. That's why, because, like when I speak to Farouk, and, and Jamil about about AO, I, I I feel a bit, I, I feel a bit like they're not listening. And even Jupiter, like they, they're not. I don't think they have passion. They, they have any passion for the sport itself. I think they just want to run the business, which I don't want to get into that today. But you know, they need to have more passionate people in those in those rooms trying to run oh, the sport. In AKO. Yeah, and 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 the other there's a maybe there's like three or four hours I've seen. Promotions. We all need to have with a passion in, in Nigeria. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, in Nigeria. Yeah, but yeah, but then yeah. I see our uh, is actually like heavily invested in um uh, the AKO um, show. I think right. again, this and this one is under. I think that he is a. I think what happened was that it, so they did the AKO show. That's the the actual show itself. Remember, it was a show, like uh, like tough, right? I think it's right. They they were not going to have success with that format as a standalone format. So then they went to Usman and said, "Hey, listen, I offer you a stake and offer you a chunk of money." Obviously, aligns with Usman's goals. Usman is like, "Well, I'm sure that's Usman probably thinking, I want to start, I want to find find a way to give back to Nigeria and find So I'm sure there was synergy there. Now, I don't think it's not Usman's project. It's definitely like I think he's just involved as an advisor." Consultant kind of level, right? Uh, an ambassador or something. But but but, but funny thing, like even a guy like Usman, even like guys like Easy, there are guys that to operate in Nigeria, they need guidance of people like you and Farouk and Maya that understand yeah. Nigeria and understand the sports and the understand sport how the can work. You understand what I'm saying? Mm. What they have is people that have money that say Usman is champion. So let's get into let's get into to endorse. And Usman, listen, he doesn't live in Nigeria. He he, he, he embraces the fact that or the, the idea that he thinks they have knowledge. That's good enough for him. These people know what they're doing. They're going to pay me more. They're going to pay me money. They're going to give me a stake in the company. I'll endorse it. I'll try to meet if come to Nigeria once a year, twice a year, meet the fighters. That's what he can do. He doesn't need to do more than what he's doing. But he can't run that. He can't run the operations of that business. That's their exactly. job. But those guys themselves, they're probably very good business people, good businessmen, good businesswomen. But in terms of the sports and the business of MMA, I don't think that they, you know, I don't think they, I don't think they know what they're doing, per se, right? And it doesn't mean like it, it can still work as a feeder league, even even without them, you know. I just think that it's because think about MMA again. Yeah, talking to you is very is good for me because not only are you MMA fan, you're a business guy, so you. Understand why? Why? Why the perspective, right? You actually the only company that's making money. Period. Exactly. Financial. Like think about globally. Currently, the only company that is making money doing MMA as a business is the UFC. Bellator. made money for a time. I don't know. I think by the time they got sold, they were not making money anymore. Like they were not making a profit. They were not making money. They were not profitable anymore. 
Right. The profitable company is VLC. PFL is clearly like I have yes, dug into the myself. They raised like five, four, five hundred million dollars, right? And they are, I mentioned that from what I've, I've, I've checked, they are blowing through that money quickly, right? So, so they keep having to do more resist and, and get more investors and get more venture capital, right? And I think that buying Benitos is going to save their business, right? But they're not making money, making a profit currently, right? I saw their last show that they did, the pay-per-view one, with all the titles. The, the venue was, most of the tickets were blocked out. They only had, I think, two or three sections that were open. For, and the tickets were so expensive, they were $1,000, $2,000, something crazy, crazy amount of money, right? So they're not making any money. I know that they're not making much money, right? So if, the, if people in America with all the, with backing, with the talents put America has, they are struggling to compete in America with the UFC, or, or struggling to even be profitable as a business. So why do we think? I, I, to be fair, I think the ones in the like those Oct octagon MMA, all those ones in Poland, KSI, I think those ones are that, they're probably doing well because you know why? Because they have a regional. A secure, basically. Even even the, even in, in the UK as well, uh, they have is the uh, what do you call it? The Cage Warriors yeah. or something? Bama, the other one. Cage Warriors. Yeah. So I think those ones are sustainable because they are they've tied their destiny to the UFC. Like listen. You know, we can run them around. They can break and break. I bring their own local fan bases and grow and just do. And we can do enough here with the salary, with the salary structure and everything to be sustainable. That's the modern that Nigeria needs to do. But the reason it won't work in Nigeria now today, in my opinion, is because we don't have the amateur background of MMA here. You understand? Those guys have talent. These guys are training at a gym, Jiu Jitsu, five, four, six years old. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of talent. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, the first step for me in Nigeria is developing talent. You can't start, you can't just go and put the promotion there and say, okay, you boxer, I come and try to me. And that obviously that's the beginning of that's how you have started too. But uh, it took them time to get to that point where it's like, okay, uh, you boxer, come and box. And and I think about it. A lot of those guys, boxers, and again, I'm I'm in the trenches with these boxers, so I know what you know what it is. So those guys, I'm sure they are like, listen, they are boxing for five, ten years, because they were five years old, because that's their dream. And even boxing has as deep as boxes in Nigeria, boxing doesn't make a lot of money. So some guys, some promotions are doing okay, right? And they, and, and they find a way to get those guys, like a Jaguar fund, they to America, whatever. Right. With all the amateur pedigrees here. Right. But MMA, they're just taking guys that are maybe that, that are kickboxing or doing karate. That they can, and, and it's fine. But then, to me, the first thing should be awareness. Okay, all you guys are the boxers, kickboxers, taekwondo guys, judo guys, wrestlers. Make all of them a day one camp together. You're not going to make money fighting judo. <laughs> You're not going to make money. It's not like you make money even boxing. Boxing is probably the most lucrative way out. You're not going to make money for kickboxing, winter one. Nobody cares. Nobody's watching those things globally. You understand? The one that you have a chance to get to the top faster is MMA. You can fight three, four, five, six, seven fights. UFC will scout you, you'll sign you. Or you go, to, you go to PFL and do tournaments for you know it's one million. You understand? So, Combat sports guys in Nigeria need to first understand how more. If you're not going to be, if you're not the top prospect going to the Olympics for boxing, taekwondo, all these things, right? Start looking at MMA. Let them just understand that MMA is the place where they can still give out their dreams of fighting and earning money, right? Now we start to now before the promotion comes, and that's what I think that, that, that those. 
نجونا بروموت از ميسي When we have these guys on the pod, I'll have these discussions with them. And hopefully, in the not too distant future as well, I'll have Uncle Dana, Dana White on the podcast. I'll discuss the Dana. Dana needs to bring the youth in here. Bring the, what do you call it? He needs to bring you yes exactly because there's a ton of talent in nigeria and you know it's going to change the landscape think about what easy and kamaru's man have done you know in the ufc think about we have just very few nigerians in the ufc and then they really don't work for themselves kennedy is a chuku um super sadiq um who who else who else do we have um currently uh chidi he doesn't really come to Nigeria, but we have him. We have Hakim Dawudu. He doesn't really come to Nigeria, but we have him here. Um, yeah, so the, not, not too many, but a bunch of them. Yeah, the very few Nigerians in, in the UFC are doing great, you know. They are above average, you know. Uh, you imagine the, the talent pool that is way back home. They're going to do a lot of great stuff. Uh, okay, so what advice do you have for um, young um, up and coming people, you know, um, people who are getting into career, who are getting into business, you know, young people, you know, the the forthcoming 30s, under 30s, like, oh, what, what advice do you have for them? Well, try, to, try, to, try, to find, try to find what you like to do and, and figure out what career you can build off of that. Like, whatever you like to do, find a way you can build. Because I feel like the way the world, the way the world is going now, um, it's, it's tough for you to do what you don't like doing. I think, and and, and back in the days, it was a good trade-off because we were getting paid a big lot of money from just doing what you know, have a job, working nine to five. I don't like my job, but um, it's, but now there's a lot of a lot of career transitioning going on globally, and the, and the world is shifting. So. This is, and, 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 and the world is ever is more open more open than ever. So I think right now you have a chance to find your passion and figure out how that kind of passion can make you make a make a career, make you money, and just go to that. And you have to be consistent. Things are not easy. I know a lot of our generation and the people after us, they're very we can become a bit entitled. But millennials and Gen Zs. You have to be, you have to push it by yourself. Uh, nobody can, nobody can give you anything. Now you, now you give yourself. Now you go to chase and you follow it by yourself and get what you get what you've worked hard for. And you know, yeah. obviously, you know you want to be treated nice and whatever all those things that you know you want to be treated nice at your job. Whatnot, but there has to be your mind that you have to do the things you need to do. That's what you need to, if you have a, if you have a job that is minimum wage, that is a shitty job, just because you want to build your dreams, that's okay. Just give yourself a timeline and a go. Okay, I will do this job for three, four, five years, and I'll invest the money that I'm getting from here into this. And stick with that plan. It's not easy. It's not easy to 
stick to stick, stick with the plan and follow through and not buy the Gucci that everybody's buying. It's tough, but you have to do it because now you go tell yourself later. <laughs> so just try to be, you know, find what you like, chase it with all you have and be consistent with it. And that's what right. I can tell you. So, so, so key words from, from your, your pieces of advice, right? Uh, passion, you know, hard work, consistency, uh, dedication. That's the biggest, that's the biggest consistency. That's, that's very difficult to be consistent. So that's one of the after work hard tools. Interesting. So, so before we let you go, right, you know, we have a tradition on the pod, right? So we're in the previous guest, you know, leaves a question for the current guest and the current guest leaves, you know, uh, a question for the next guest. But interestingly, you know, we had a double special in the previous uh, episode. So we had uh, two co-founders, two co-founders of the Augment Business School uh, drop questions for you, <laughs> Mayuma. So do you want to know what the questions they dropped for you? Are? Sure, sure. Okay, uh, the number one question is, uh, what are you most proud of? What am I most proud of? Yes. What am I most proud of? That's a good, that's a good question. Oof. Um, you know what? I'll say, I'll say my first degree, yeah, because it took, me, it took me a while to get that degree. Um, so <laughs> I, 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 I got it finally. So that's, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm most proud of, I think, currently. Just because of how long the journey was to get that degree—that's what I was proud of. Interesting, interesting. So, so uh, the 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 bigger the pain, the bigger the gain, or the oh, longer man. the the story, the, the 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 bigger the glory. Come on, <laughs> is that it for you? But <laughs> <laughs> the tough, was, yeah, it was the tough, um, tough, tough and long road, right? Okay, interesting. So the second question uh, left by. Um, I think this must have been led by uh, Joe. So the first one is was led by Roy, and the second by Joe. It says, uh, "What's that thing you would you would be doing if you weren't doing what you are currently doing now? Like, what's like the second best thing you would you know have been doing with your life if you're not doing what you're currently doing?" You know what? I feel like. <laughs> my friends are here. Like, they're laughing. What is this? They're putting you on the spot. <laughs> I think if I go back, I could have been a fighter. Maybe boxing. Yeah. Something. I feel like if I started when I was young, I could have, I could have been a fighter. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Interesting one. Interesting one. So, 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 so finally, what, what question would you like to leave for the next guest to answer? When you speak to them, and I, and I hope I can I'll watch you so I can I'll get the answer. What do they, where do they think the world is headed? Yeah, do you think the world is headed? Wow. Wow. Like if you were to say that in Yoruba, <laughs> do you speak Yoruba? Not, not the way you enjoy it. I sound like an evil person. Uh, uh, wow. Very... Like that, 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 that would actually sound, you know, interesting in, uh, in Yoruba. <laughs> say it, say it, say it. Let me see. Um, e... Let me see. Ibo ni ayen 
Dewey Kobayi. Yeah, yeah, like me now. You're right. There are different ways. There are different ways to. You know, there are different ways to put it. Actually, so um, you can say Ibolayen Lobai, right? Like that is yeah. So, but also you could also say Iboni Ayen Doriko because heading Ori is head. You get it. So, like sometimes in Yoruba, there are like different ways to say one exact thing. Yeah, but just yeah, like what do they think the world is heading like politically, economically, like what like what what, what do they think the, the prospects of the world are in the next like five years? In the next five years, okay. Next five years. Okay, interesting, interesting. So uh that, that interview will take place uh much later today and I'll send you clips of who's, who's the guest? Who's the person? Yeah. Uh not to give much away, he's a musician. Uh, interesting, you know, so, so. <laughs> I'm happy for that because the guy didn't come for that kind of uh, intellectual conversation, but he will explain and I'll be there. Uh, okay, uh, anyways, he, he's an intellectual as well, like he, he has a no, no, no. I'm not saying okay, okay, interesting, interesting. So, basically, it's all, it's all about sharing the stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things with the with the focus with the aim of inspiring people especially the up and coming people you know we want to be the reason why people do not lose hope we want to be the reason why people have faith in themselves you know because we are giving back to the society to inspire um, um the up and coming people so thank you very much for your time mario Abalogun. it's been a long interested fantastic episode you know for a man of your of your nature and stature <laughs> to give us you know this long hours of your time it is <laughs> it is very much in line to you to show to express um a lot of gratitude so we appreciate you it's uh, my pleasure time. yeah thank you for, thank thank you you. for having me